some as little as 5% to buy a home. Residents living near the Luton to Dunstable guided busway may be eligible for compensation for excessive noise. People living in Luton Close have been complaining about the sound made as the buses move between rails on the £90 million route. The South West Bedfordshire MP Andrew Salou says engineers are hoping to solve the problem. If the worst comes to the worst and um, they can't make sufficient improvements, then as with any big transport project of this nature... There is a contingency fund and the possibility of compensation. A new survey by the College of Emergency Medicine suggests almost two-thirds of A&E doctors in the UK think the job they're doing is unsustainable and say patients are being put at risk. More than a 1,000 of the organisation's members responded. Sue Mason is the chair of the college's Research and Publications Committee. We have a big recruitment problem where junior doctors are not choosing our specialty to train in to become consultants. At the moment, we have a big crisis at the sort of middle grade level where we only have about 50% of our posts filled nationally because junior Junior doctors are choosing to train in other specialties that have a much better work-life balance. The European Parliament will vote later on new rules on the sale of tobacco, which are designed to discourage young people from taking up smoking. Among the measures being considered are bans on packets of 10 and the outlawing of slim cigarettes. The plans are opposed by the tobacco industry. And the Scouts have launched an alternative version of their promise in an attempt to attract atheists to the movement. While members will still have to do their duty to the Queen, there's no mention of God. In sport, Gus Poyet is expected to be confirmed as the new Sunderland manager later today. He's set to replace Paolo Di Canio who was sacked a fortnight ago. And the weather, mainly dry with increasing cloud but still warm with a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius. That's 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Listener, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Can you believe we're, we're virtually midway through October already? How on earth did that happen? Lots coming up on the show this morning. Some r- cracking stuff this morning. As always, keen to get your, your thoughts uh, and your views on some of the stuff. Taxi drivers in Luton say that attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. According to a leading charity, poor children who are behind in maths, reading and writing when they're seven, well, their their life is pretty much screwed from that point onwards. And do you remember yesterday's show when Trevor Holden, the chief executive of Luton Borough Council, came on to talk about the TV show Splash? Trevor, on the map, Trevor, for all the right Trevor, reasons. Trevor, and I've, as I've said to you Trevor, a couple of times, Trevor, Active Luton are working Trevor, with the clubs and the like. Trevor. Well, that was yesterday's show. Trevor's coming back on today to try and explain himself a little bit better. Hopefully he can. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And this morning, we're celebrating the magic of the first kiss. Pam Ayres is in the papers, banging on about how she wished she looked after her teeth. And also, her first kiss. They're normally pretty sloppy affairs. Mine was... I was quite a late starter when it came to all things like that. I had opportunities before, but I waited until I was 15 because... No, not because I wanted to do the right thing. Because I was scared witless. Of course. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Let's have some of this, shall we? 
Dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. What a lot of fun we're having this morning. No, not fun. Annoyance. That's it. Annoyance. Yes! You would think with the licence fee that I sometimes uh, allow myself to pay, we'd be- they'd give me a studio that would work. You would think so. We've just dashed to a second studio, uh, and I'm not 100% sure that this one works. Can I just try something? Would you indulge me a second? I need to press a button to see if a computer's working. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. We have control. 
We have control. Let's crack on with this, shall we? Taxi drivers in Luton say that attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. Some want to see a swifter response by the police. Others say they don't even bother reporting attacks as they've got no confidence anything will be done. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is, uh, has been speaking to cab drivers in the town. Drivers are concerned, aren't they, Justin? Yes, uh, very concerned. I've spoken to a few taxi drivers who don't wish to be named. Here's one of them, and I asked him just how bad the situation has become. Nope. Hang on a second. We're having terrible problems with our computers here. Justin, bear with me a second. Okay. What I've had to do, uh, and I, I feel I feel churlish doing this, doing quite a serious story, but I've dashed to the other studio, mm. uh, and I'm now... Uh, I've not got control of the radio, man, so I'm just trying to work out how I can You're do in the studio where JVS normally presents from. I am live... Is, is that the luxury studio? I am live yeah. from the JVS <laughs> studio. Unfortunately, it won't let me play any of my clips that I need it to play, mm. uh, and none of the people here know exactly what they're doing. Well, what I can tell you is that uh, yes. taxi drivers in Luton are clearly concerned about the situation. Um, they've been saying to me that in the last few months it's become a lot worse, and a lot of people simply don't even bother to phone the police. So if something does happen to them, if somebody doesn't pay, uh, if their taxi is uh, uh, attacked, if they're attacked, they don't simply pick up the phone and, and call the police. They don't think it's worth it because they feel that they won't be protected enough. The thing is, as well, some of these incidents are very, very serious, aren't they? They are very serious indeed. I mean, obviously, if you've got people that, that are not paying, that's one thing. But if you've got people in the back of your taxi who have knives and even guns, and uh, this is the stories that, that, that I'm hearing, you don't get more serious than that. And, you know, they're going out every single week just to try and make a living. And this is what they're, they're facing from their customers, that, that kind of abuse. And if they feel the police aren't on their side, well, you know, what are they going to do? They've got two options, either to carry on and face that abuse or or try and find a different job one driver even got pulled out of gunpoint is that right yep absolutely um you'll probably hear from him a bit, a bit later on um what happened was it was back in february of last year um what happened was he was taking somebody back to uh, a particular location and somebody pulled him out of the taxi at gunpoint thankfully um he wasn't shot but you can't get more serious no. than that. If you've got somebody with a gun in your taxi who's pulling you out and threatening to kill you, yeah. well, would you really want to carry on doing that job? I personally wouldn't, but if you've been doing it for 15 years, what else can you do? Justin, just say that. I just want to try one more thing. We may have one of your voxes up. Hang on a second. Nope, it's not working. Justin, we'll leave it there. We'll okay. play those later on the show. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. Excellent stuff, uh, as always. Although, hang on a second. Maybe we... Uh... So many times. There we go. What's the worst case that you've come across? Dragged out, pointing gun in my head. Yeah. You've been dragged out of your cab, yeah. and somebody has pointed a gun at your head. Yeah. That's true. When was this? What happened? Last February. I didn't report it. What's the point of reporting it? No one's going to do anything about it. Yeah, that's true. So. And about St. Lucian was that? Biscuit Road, Miller's Way. But what about protection for yourself, though? Because you, you're simply trying to make a living. You've done nothing wrong. Surely the police have got to do more to help you, haven't well, that's they? That's the risk, isn't it? Police can't do nothing. They can do what they can when they can help us. Mm. But there's a limit they can help us unless we do something about our cars. Put a metal sheet just like in America. So the police, no matter what happens, you wouldn't bother reporting it because no. you just think you're wasting your time? You're definitely right. You'll be wasting your time. Incredible. Thank you very much. Take well, care. that is incredible. Justin, thank you for that, and thank you for uh, your patience uh, on that. I believe we've sorted out a few of the problems that uh, w- were uh, slightly marring us there. It is incredible. If you are a cab driver, or if you've been a cab driver, we kind of do this story... 
every five, six months it comes up and it always shocks me that cab drivers are feeling so threatened they're not feeling safe doing their job. They're just, you know, blokes, generally blokes. There's a few women doing it, but just people trying to earn a few quid by driving drunk idiots around. I'm always very respectful to my cab drivers and um, and thank them and talk to them and chat to them. And uh, it does strike me as odd. If you are a cab driver or if you have indeed been a cab driver, have you ever come across any of these incidents before? 08459 455 555. It just... I would hate to pick up a load of drunk lads in the back of my car and drive them around. It would be awful. I can't think of anything worse. Or Actually, I can't think of something worse. A load of drunk women in the back of the car. Hen nights. Oh, God. When you see women dressed as fairies wearing L plates, it's time to go home. We're just seeing how many kisses we can get. Yeah, jog on, love. 08459 455 555. It's a quarter past six. Let's get the latest travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Good morning. Things looking pretty clear on the main routes at the moment. No delays yet through the M25 roadworks. Cameras as you go into the works past Junction 25 at Enfield anti-clockwise are showing. Traffic is starting to just slow down a little, of course, for the speed restriction, but no actual delays and no queues that I can see. The A40 through Beaconsfield roadworks. Temporary lights are up for telecoms work near the Butler's Court Road Junction. Those works are going to be there until the end of tomorrow. I'm having a look at the motorway cameras on the M4. 40 and on the M1. It's not as misty a start to the day as it was yesterday. There might still be a little bit of mist in some areas, but it is definitely looking clearer than yesterday. And traffic levels are still very light on all the other motorways and main A roads through the three counties. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 6.16 exactly. It's Tuesday the 8th of October. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase. They're calling for more protection from the police. The cost to rent a home in Buckinghamshire has risen by almost 10% in the past year, the highest increase for any county. And in sport, Gus Poyet, Poyet, whatever it is, I've probably got it wrong, is expected to be confirmed as the new Sunderland manager later on today. Your weather for uh, beds, hearts and bucks, mainly dry, with increasing cloud, but still becoming warm again, with a maximum temperature of 20 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking about the government's help to buy scheme that's aiming to help people who want to get on the housing ladder. Will it actually help you? BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talking point. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio I take it all back All that I said It comes out too fast So I Just couldn't help The way that I felt I started the fire Watching you walk I 
followed you there, standing too close, it's hurting. I pictured the words, the warmth of your breath, started the fire, it's burning. How it feels like jealousy. BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. If you want to give us a call, and you might not want to have your say on this, because from this week, there's more help for people who want to get on the housing ladder. The second phase of the government's help to buy scheme starts. And if this would be, uh, and if these these would be homeowners live in Buckinghamshire, they could probably do with the help. Houses there have seen the highest increase for any county as prices rose 9.7%. Ouch! The initiative offers state-backed mortgages to UK borrowers with deposits as low as 5% for properties worth up to £600,000, although some experts claim it will need to a new housing bubble. BBC, uh, but Conservative MP Margot James thinks the fears are unfounded. She says it'll be a vital leg up for many buyers struggling to climb up the housing ladder. It takes people on average until they're about 38 years old, until they can buy their first property. And the problem is not that they can't afford to buy the property, it is that they can't afford the deposit, which is now up to about 40,000 for your average house price. Mm. 
Uh, and that's, that's completely unacceptable. We've got to do something to allow people to get their foot on the property ladder. Well, Hertfordshire-based property expert Henry Pryor is on the line. Morning, Henry. Do, you, morning. do you agree with uh, Margot James that it's a vital leg up, or are you worried about where this may lead? I think that we can all agree there's a problem, but I think I do part company with Margot in terms of uh, what exactly the solution might be. Uh, you have two choices, inevitably. Uh, either you help uh, people to afford high prices by giving them money or the ability to borrow money, uh, or you allow the market to correct itself by letting prices fall back. And obviously, politically, the second option is desperately uncomfortable, which is why the coalition government and the Conservatives in particular uh, at their, at their uh, conference last week brought forward the controversial help to buy two. Do prices ever fall down substantially, though? They, they, they always seem to, to, to keep going up. Well, they may do in our part of the world, but you don't have to go very far to find... Uh, exactly what you describe, and the pain that goes with it. In Northern Ireland, house prices are still, uh, in parts of the province, 50% below their peaks reached uh, before the credit crunch in 2007. And in other parts of the UK, uh, we have to remember that London and the surrounding counties, three counties country, for example, uh, are somewhat uh, are behaving somewhat differently from large parts of the UK where, for example, in Wales, house prices are still 2% down on where they were this time last year. So uh, the, trying, to, trying to put a bandage over the whole of the UK housing market uh, has, has repercussions, and there's no doubt that in our part of the country and inside the M25, I suspect that help to buy two is going to fuel house prices and ironically make them even more unaffordable for people going forward. What is help to buy two, Henry? How does it work? In a nutshell, and please forgive me if this is not specifically the case, but just to try and make it easily understood. Please do, yes. Uh, You go to to your local bank or building society just as you would uh, ordinarily, and you uh, apply for a mortgage just in the normal way that you would do, and instead of the bank saying, we will only, we're only prepared to lend you 75, 80 or 90 percent of the value of the house, they will, are prepared to lend you far more because they're going to offlay some of the risk in doing so to the government. So if house prices continue to go up, that's fine. If house prices were to fall, then the lender can come back to you for the 5 percent or 10 percent that you've put in, and then the government for the next 15 percent or up to 15 percent before they, the lender, are then faced with having to put their hand in their pockets if house prices were to fall. It's a bet. Well, it, it's a bet, and it, 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 it sounds vaguely familiar. Isn't this the kind of thing that, that sort of caused the crash in the States a few years ago? You're quite right, and this is the irony. Mortgage indemnity guarantees. It was a, it's, a, it's a three little words that send a shiver down many people's spines. This is partly what we got us into the mess in 2007, the credit crunch uh, with uh, financial whiz kids uh, uh, trading these uh, so-called derivatives or instruments, and uh, that's uh, part of the problem that led to that meltdown uh, five or six years ago. What's hopefully different this time is that the government is expecting, and many people, remember, are warning that this is actually a problem, that actually house prices are going to rise. So the government and the taxpayer, you and I, are unlikely to be on the hook uh, and having to actually bail out lenders uh, if this, uh, if from this initiative, unless house prices were to fall back. But the one worry and the fear that I have is that, again, like many, many commentators and many experts, they think that eventually, when help to buy two is withdrawn, which it will be in the, at a future date, that potentially prices at that stage become unaffordable for that generation of first-time, first-time buyers. And at that point, it's that when house prices will fall back at that stage. We're just putting off, delaying, kicking the can, as they say, down the road. 
Henry, thanks very much for explaining that in a way that I could understand. I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to, to houses. I've got a mortgage. I couldn't tell you what kind of mortgage I have. I hate it. I, I don't know. Henry, thank you very much. Henry Pryor, Hertfordshire-based property expert. 08459 455 555. through a huge Beach Boys thing at the moment. I've rediscovered my love for the Beach Boys. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, we'll be talking about first kisses later on. I'm keen to get your stories on your first kiss. My first one, I waited a bit. I was 15, my first one, which is a little bit late in some people's eyes. Uh, but it was it was pretty good. It was on the, uh, the steps of Slough Bus Station, a building that's been knocked down as they knew, they knew that nothing more historical could ever happen there. Uh, after that and then my second kiss was two years later yeah i know i know what a painful teenage life i had what was your first kiss when was it and was it any good oh eight four five nine four double five five double five this is bbc three counties let's get the travel news now with adam travel news for beds cards and bugs bbc three counties radio 
Fitzgerald M25, anti-clockwise. It is already starting to slow. It's quite busy Waltham Abbey to Enfield going into the roadworks. And further round is starting to get a little busy as well from the M1 toward Kings Langley Junction, 21 to 20. No trouble as yet, though, on the M1. It's looking pretty good on the approach to the M25. And no major delays as you make your way past Luton or past Hemel as yet this morning either. It's looking reasonably good on the A1M. We've got no delays past Stevenage, but I would expect that to get quite slow as the morning goes on. The A5 near Milton Keynes to the south of Milton Keynes and near Bletchley, you've still got those roadworks. Junction improvement works as you come up to the McDonald's roundabout, so one lane closed off there. And in Hitchin, Fishponds Road, the A505, roadworks taking place at Bearton Avenue. Trains and tubes running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the 6.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase and they're calling for more protection from the police. Rents have risen by almost 10% in Buckinghamshire this year, the highest increase in any county. And a new survey by the College of Emergency Medicine suggests almost two-thirds of A&E doctors in the UK think the job they're doing is unsustainable and say patients are being put at risk. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Gus Poyet is expected to be confirmed as the new Sunderland manager later today. He'll replace Paolo Di Canio, who was sacked a fortnight ago, as Ian Dennis reports. Gus Poyet has made no secret of his desire to manage in the Premier League and was desperate for this opportunity at the Stadium of Light. Sunderland are desperate after five successive league defeats and Poyet will hope over the next eight months to retain their top-flight status. Poyet was the preferred choice of director of football, Roberto De Fanti, but ultimately it's owner Alice Short who decides, and he's aware of the importance of this appointment. The pressure on Poyet is to get results, but also on Short, because it's his judgment that will determine the club's future. Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury. He'll continue to receive treatment at Chelsea, so could possibly return for the match against Poland next Tuesday. In the Johnson's Paint Trophy tonight, there's a local derby as Stevenage hosts the MK Dons. The borough boss, Graham Wesley, says it's a chance for them to end a losing streak. We need to end the the run that we're on, um, stop the rot and get ourselves back on the right foot. Um, I'm sure the lads' determination um, will grow. I'm sure that uh, you know their appetite and, and belief in themselves and in what we're doing um, will never diminish. Luton Town boss John Still may rest Alex Lawless for tonight's conference match at Aldershot. The midfielder had recently returned from injury and Still isn't sure he can play two games in three days. I am slightly aware, you know, like we played Alex Saturday and we weren't 100% about playing Alex uh, because it's important he plays fit, you know. Two games in a couple of days might be more than we want to do with him, so we, we might look at something there. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 7 o'clock. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk BBC Three Counties Radio Well, we were saying earlier this morning taxi drivers in Luton say that attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. Well, if you have been or if you are a taxi driver, give me a call 08459 455 555. Sandra, not her real name, is in Welling and Hatfield. Morning, Sandra. Morning. Well, are you a taxi driver? Yes, I am. Oh, you are? Okay. Uh, have you witnessed uh, acts of violence then? Yeah, there's, there's been quite a few in Welling and Hatfield district as well, to be quite What honest. kind of stuff is happening? Um, drivers are being attacked, um at knife point and that 
um, not being paid. Um, and has this happened to you? It hasn't happened to me, because I think as you're a lady driver, you can get away with other things. You can get away with most things. You can you put up with men being drunk, because you're used to... Women are used to men being drunk when they're coming home and whatever. So women have got more tolerance than men, taxi drivers, to be honest. And, and you think that's the reason why you're not getting a knife pulled on you and things like that, because you're more tolerant? Um, it can be tolerant, and it's also... With the way the world's going today and everything on the news these days, yes. it's not good. No. And there's, there's so many new Muslim and... Sorry? Not just Muslim taxi drivers, all different nationality taxi drivers now. Yeah. And that hasn't... I think since there's been more... I think there's more Muslim attacks right. than there are probably on... English people. So, are, are you suggesting, Sandra, that uh, that that these attacks are racially motivated? Um, some of them could be. That I don't always know, but you just don't know. I think since there has been more yes. um, mixed race people, and okay. that, yes, there is. Well, so, why? What? Okay, if it's not necessarily racially motivated, uh, and let's focus a little bit. Why? Why do you think that um, Muslim mixed race uh, foreign uh, taxi drivers are being attacked more? I don't know because are they an easy target? Don't know. Sandra, it's an interesting one. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we, we, we kind of, you know, wove our way around the path. I think we got there in the end. I think we, we, we managed to find the garden gate. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Sandra, there, who is a female taxi driver, seems... I, I feel sorry for Sandra's life if she's used to drunk men co- coming home all the time. <laughs> you shouldn't be used to it, Sandra. Expect more. But Sandra, they're thinking that uh, uh, perhaps... Asian cab drivers uh, and foreign cab drivers are being attacked more because they're viewed as an easy target. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but what do you think? 08459 455 555. Another dawn, another day, another dollar to be made. I got a pocket in my soul where a little rock, a little roll, a simile. you think you know about who I am and how it goes I made it easy to be me so yeah it's easy to be me and that's why I say I know you can't stand me cause I make you so angry more and more each day the way you don't love me kinda makes you look
Well, I'm confused. Until I see my face. Ah, no, okay. I was confused because I quite liked the song until that very, very last bit, and he's blown it. He blew it at the end. Thank you, Robbie. I was, I was getting worried then. I was softening to your, uh, your manly touch. I'm not. Uh, we've been talking about uh, taxi drivers, uh, more threats of violence against taxi drivers. We spoke to Sandra, not her real name, who thinks it may be because uh, a lot of them are, in her words, foreign. Muslim, mixed race, Asian, that, that kind of thing. I think she was getting it. In fact, that's what she was saying. Uh, and, and they may be perceived as an easy target. Dave's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. Well, what do you think about what Sandra was saying? Well, let's put it this way. I would never be a taxi driver without some object viewing me, like a glass, like these black cabs. Yeah. Because it's not just Asian people, taxi drivers. It's not foreign. It's the white taxi drivers, too, being attacked. And the reason they're being attacked is not because of racialism. It's because of money. 90% of people in this country will go out and get money in any nature or form. I'm just that's, you, that's, sorry. Sorry. What, what, what does that mean? In any nature or form? What do you mean by that? Well, they'll get they'll get money if they go out and attack anyone. Well, Kids. Ninety. Get, Dave. Dave. Where yeah. do you get your statistics from? Ninety percent of people will go out and attack kids or taxi drivers to get their money. Well, no, not just no, not just kids or taxi drivers. They will they will shoplift. Okay. In shops. Again, again, I, I question your statistics. Where did you get the figures that ninety well, percent of people will go out and get money in any way, shape, or form? All right, we'll, we'll, we'll drop it down a bit. Then sixty percent. Where did you get that? It's still a ridiculous. Over half the people in this country will go, yes. will get their money by thievery. Well, they'll, they'll get money by anyway. Look at the MPs of their expenses. Oh, they're getting money that way. They're, they're not now, Dave. That's been sorted. Uh, well, that's what you're saying, well, are they? No, yes, it's been sorted. They can't claim oh, the, uh, the expenses they were claiming before. It's, it's a much tighter regulation. Right, but they were doing it. They were doing. But you it. can't compare. You can't compare the MPs, or maybe you can, to gentlemen who get in the back of cabs, then pull a knife out oh. on a taxi driver and run off without paying the fare or nick his kitty. Hang on a moment. My grandson, uh, it lives in Luton, was riding his bike on his own. He's pulled down to the ground. He had a threat of a knife, and they took his money. He took his mobile. Now that's attack on a little kid. Yeah, and that's that's it, awful. Yeah, but the thing is, that's another attack. Yeah. And it, what they're after is it. The first thing they asked him. Where's your money? Yes. Have you got any money? Yes. We're not worried about his mobile. They did take that. But where's your money? Yeah. And this is what they want. They want money, anybody. Yes. And you look at it, Ian, even yourself, you want money, not your wages. Yeah, 90% but... of people want their money and they'll get it in any nature or form. We've gone back up to the 90%. So you're saying 90% of people will, will, will resort to thievery? Well, that is what I think, personally. 90% got... of people... Yeah, but it, see, the thing is, money is the root of all evil. No, no, it's not. It is. No, it's not. Isn't it? No. Well, you, you, so you're de- you're denying the saying that's been going around for yep. hundreds of years. There's no such money saying. Money is the root of all evil. There's no such. That, that's not the saying, Dave. Isn't it? No, it's not. Well, well the saying that I've been told many years when I was a little kid yeah, is was, wrong. Then it, was, it is wrong. Shall I tell you what the correct saying is? Yeah. The love of money. Is the root of all evil. Subtle difference. Is it? That's the first time I've ever heard that saying. Well, that's the correct full quote. Well, you can say you can you can thank me later, Dave. I don't need your. Hang on a minute. 
No, you... no, it's nice, it's nice to see you back, Ian. Are you, I'm glad you... are you I'm the Dave that I've banned from this show? Uh, Tinder. Away with you. Away with you, for goodness sake. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. You see, you learn things on this show. Not every day, maybe not even every month. But you learn these things. Now, who knows who that quote is by? Who knows who the quote is b- originates from? Anybody? 08459 455 555 is the, uh, the, the, the phone number. What's this? Wurzel is, uh, Wurzel's agreeing with Dave. What's, what's, what's Wurzel agreeing about? Come on, uh, the, come on the, the, um, the speakerphone. Now, what do they call it? They call it a microphone, don't they? It, it, Wurzel, what, what's Wurzel saying? Wurzel is saying, you've got it wrong. What, what have I got wrong? That it's not the love of money which is the root of all. I agree. I agree with you. By yes. The way, at this stage. Oh, well, I... But Wer- Wurzel says that Dave's got it right. It's just money is the root of all. Right. Evil. Okay. Where, where is the, the, the? I can see how this show is going to develop for the next <laughs> two and a quarter hours. It's, all this yeah. preparation and thought we've put yeah. into it. It's going to. Thank you very much, uh, producer Tara, for turning up today. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm being cheeky. Uh, it is. It is. It, let's look, Wurzel and Dave. You're wrong. The love of money is the root of all evil. And it's a subtle difference. It's a very subtle difference, but an important one. Now, uh, the next question for you, class, is who uh, originated that quote? Where does it come from? 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a cheeky text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Getting pretty busy on the M25. Heavy traffic now. Waltham Abbey to Enfield as people make their way into the roadwork section. Anticlockwise Junction 26 to 25. It's slow as well from the M1 to Kings Langley. Junction 21 to 20. And from Maple Cross to the M40. Junction 17 to 16. Also some delays as you make your way into London if you're using the A1. Southbound as you go through Borehamwood. From Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. On the cameras there, traffic is definitely starting to build up. We've got no delays yet. Yet this morning on the M1, certainly it's slowing up in spots past Luton and down toward the Hemel area around Junction 8 and 7, but it's not a big queue and everything is at least on the move. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. 6.45, it's uh, Tuesday the 8th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton are calling for increased police protection after an increase in attacks by members of the public. Rents have risen by almost 10% in Buckinghamshire this year. That's the highest increase for any county. And in sport, Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury. Coming up, we'll be asking, can a child's future be determined at the age of just seven. We'll also be speaking to Justin Daly and finding him out about his first kiss. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, we've got a fair amount of cloud around this morning, but it does mean it's a relatively mild start to the day. Temperatures all in double figures, between 13 and 14 Celsius at the moment. There is a little bit of mist down there, particularly for parts of Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire, but it will lift quite quickly, and the cloud should break from time to time as well today, so we should see at least one or two sunny spells. Now, it's potentially the last of the warmer days, I'm afraid. The maximum getting up to around 19 or even 20 Celsius. I don't get used to it. Unfortunately, it's all changed tomorrow. 
Moray. Now, overnight tonight, it is rather cloudy. We might get a bit of rain around tonight, but this cloud helps to keep the temperature up. We should all stay in double figures, 11 or 12 Celsius, the minimum temperature. A great start to Wednesday, still one or two showers around, but we should get some sunny spells. But it's going to become breezier through the course of the day tomorrow, and it's certainly going to feel cooler. The maximum only getting up to 16 Celsius, then overnight Wednesday into Thursday. The northerly flow takes hold. Quite a brisk northerly wind in place for Thursday, so the temperature will really start to struggle. And that's your forecast. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... 30 years ago, Doug Moody set up the Green Bank Music School in Luton with a philosophy that music should be fun. It was getting other people involved, um, just doing everything. I'm just a person that just loves to do things. Nick Coffer. EOS have decided that for their September show, they'll be performing their version of the Tony Award-winning musical Rent. 525,600 minutes. Quirkology follows the clumsy, endearing life of Rupert Quirk. A lot of people have actually said, you know, he's just uh, an exaggerated version of yourself. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, according to the charity Save the Children, poor children who are behind in maths, reading and writing when they're seven have their life chances virtually determined. The charity says being behind in these skills, skills when they're so young could prejudice their future. Well, someone who has years of experience teaching children uh, this age is the deputy head of Onslow St Audrey's School in Hatfield, Dave Allen. Morning, Dave. Good morning. Dave, there is that saying, isn't there? Give me a child and by the age of seven, I'll show you the man or something. Is seven uh, years of age too young to determine a child's future? Uh, yes, I think it is. I mean, as, as an education um, professional, I would like to think that we do have some impact on children who are older. I do have some sympathies with the report because I think there are some children who, despite their potential, don't meet it because of the support they sometimes get at home. But uh, And is that from a financial reason or is that from a bad parenting? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily bad parenting. And, and I need to be very clear here that I think it's... A small minority. Mm. I, th- I think sometimes it's it's more to do with low aspirations and expectations, um, and certainly in my twenty odd years of teaching, I have met parents who make the wrong choices for the young people. Don't necessarily value education and don't see education as a way out of um, the situation that they have been in. And, and, and why is that, Dave? Is that, is that simply because of the way that their life has turned out and that they don't trust the system, they don't trust schools? Where, where does that come from? I think, I, think there is, I think that is the case for some people. I think that in the past, I think that those parents have had a poor education, um, perhaps had a bad experience at school, and therefore some of those issues uh, come through when they're working with schools. Um, how important is grasping reading and writing and arithmetic at a young age? Absolutely essential. Um, I mean, it's the thing that we focus on all of the time, um, and, and so does every other school. I think without good literacy and numeracy skills, I think a, a, a child's future is, um, is is not a good one. And the thing is, it's not that difficult uh, to help out at home. You, you read two stories before they go to bed. You sit down and you go, oh, look, I've got, I've got three conkers here and two conkers here. I wonder how many conkers I've got in total. It, 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 it's little silly things like that you can do at home that kind of just gives them the push, doesn't it? I think that's true. I mean, you know, I think you can also, when you're going shopping, get them to work out the various offers and, and, and work out what's good value for money. I think, unfortunately, some of those parents don't have those skills. Perhaps mm. it's because they didn't have that, those experiences as, as 
children themselves. I think also, I think sometimes it's all too easy, isn't it, to put them down in front of the television or to uh, put them in front of the Xbox. And I think, you know, sometimes I think we need to make sure we have dinner or lunch or whatever with the kids and talk about their day um, and spend time with them reading uh, and playing games with it's them. an old-fashioned concept but it's a very valuable one dave thank you very much indeed that's the uh, deputy head of onslow st audrey school in hatfield dave allen he's right sitting down with the kids and having a meal with them or not even necessarily having your meal with them if you can't but sitting down with them while they eat and talking to them how did you uh, what happened at school today my boy is three and a half before in January. He gave, uh, did a show and tell yesterday. Oh, he loved it. He loved it. He was a great time before going to bed telling me exactly what he'd done and how it had gone down. 08459 455 playing this hey it's a cracking record produced by phil Spector. Mm, yes uh, but b because we're talking about kisses you see you see what we've done there well the reason we're talking about that is because uh, the poet and indeed raconteur pam Ayres, uh, who wishes she looked after her teeth has revealed the sordid details of her first kiss she says it happened when she was 14 and all she has are vivid memories of saliva and undulating rubbery lips fortunately not everyone has such negative memories my first kiss fantastic kerry uh, i was 15 sat 
sat on the uh, steps of Slough Bus Station. Let's just say she kissed a few more lads than I kissed girls, so I was in safe hands. It was fanta- fantastic, Justin. Oh, beautiful stuff. I had, beautiful. Opportun- I had opportunities for kisses before that, but I was yeah. too shy, and I kind of, <laughs> I, I literally ran away from some instances. Oh, bless you. you, you, you have you ever kissed anyone? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Yes, I was, I think, uh, nine years old. What? And, um, yeah, I, I won't be revealing the name uh, of this particular lady, because uh, now she is a lesbian. So, um, I, you could say that I turned her. You could say that, yes. You, you could definitely Just say being that. honest. Nine years old is, yeah. uh, is very young. <laughs> I know, but I had the girls all round me, and I thought, why not? Let's <laughs> give this a try. There, there were people snogging at that age, yeah. and I, I yes. Uh, Justin, <laughs> you've been talking to people about this, haven't you? Yes, you're shocked by that, aren't you? I am uh, a little yes, bit shocked, um, yes. I have been talking to people very early this morning about their memories of their first ever kiss, and here's what people have had to say. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I was about 15. I was quite late when I had my first kiss. I was nervous as hell. I suppose just getting really worked up over it and, and it turned out to be not that big a deal. I quite liked it. And when, once I'd got it over and done with and the nerves disappeared, it was fine. Um, some holiday with my family, uh, I was quite late. I think I was like 12. Uh, it was, I can't even, her name was Claire. She spoke really weirdly. It's my first cousin holiday. I remember crying my eyes out when it was the end of the holiday. Cause, really? Yeah, because it was like <laughs> first love, sort of puppy love sort of thing, first kiss. So that was when you were 12. Have you spoken to her since? Uh, we were like pen pals for like a year, believe it or not, and then, uh, and then it just faded out, as it always does. Write to her again today, and now she's fresh <laughs> in your mind, you can do this, come on! <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't, I don't know, I wouldn't even know her address, it's long gone. Okay, just lastly, you said it was a holiday, whereabouts were you? Uh, Isle of Wight. Isle of Wight? Yeah. That's where it all happens? Yeah, you know, it's the place for the young kids, Isle of Wight, yeah. It's a great story, thanks very much. <laughs> no worries, thank you. Madam, we just want to know this morning, what's your memories of your first ever kiss? Um, I was about ten. Ten? Yes. Mucky little thing, you. I know. Um, yeah, he was, I'd known him since I was like three years old. Mm. So he was like my first... What, that makes it acceptable at ten years old? <laughs> it was just a kiss. Yeah. And what was his name? <laughs> uh, Mark Cook. Okay, so Mark Cook, when you were ten years old, uh, where is Mark Cook now? Uh, he lives in Australia now. Oh, does he? Yeah, we're still Facebook friends. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and at uh, ten years old, the experience out of ten, uh, how would you score that? Was it, was it terrible? <laughs> uh, it was very terrible, yeah. yeah, very, very terrible. Good morning, sir. I'm Justin. I'm working with Ian Lee. There's not many people out on the street, so can I ask you a quick question? Is that okay? Uh, we just want to know, what's your memories of your first kiss? Nah. Nah, nah. No memories. No. Oh, come on. Who was she? Hello? Hello? Oh, it's gone. Somebody on an intercom oh. system somewhere. I think we should try this. This could be a new regular feature. Uh, it, it did sound excellent. It's very, very naughty mm. of, you, of you, though, Justin. The intercom of the day. How can people not remember their first kiss? Oh, he does. He's just embarrassed about the situation. Apparently, somebody told me that he was uh, down in Bournemouth somewhere. So I pressed the button for a car park, and it was their head office down in Bournemouth. But, of course, he's got memories of his first kiss. Every single person listening this morning will yep. have a good or a bad memory about their first kiss. Justin Daly, excellent stuff. Thank you very much. We'll Thank speak you. to you later on. Uh, just Justin Dealey there.
Well, what are your memories of your first kiss? Come on, give us the dirty details this morning. Let's get a little bit dirty. The kids are back at school. Well, they will be a little bit later on, so we, I think we can uh, indulge in slightly adult conversation here. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. We'll put that up on the Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. My first kiss was during a game of Spin the Bottle. It was with my best friend Sarah, and we are still best friends, so obviously it wasn't too traumatic. Right, so far this morning, on the roads, we've got problems on the M1. We've just had a call from Tom in the last sort of five, ten minutes, saying that partly blocked on the M1 southbound. An accident with three vehicles involved between Redbourne and Hemel Hempstead, junctions 9 and 8. Any updates on that would be fantastic, though. I can't see the accident on the cameras, but I can see the traffic building up on that southbound side. If you're going toward the M25, anti-clockwise heavy traffic, Waltham Abbey to Enfield going into the roadworks. It's also slow from the M1 to Kings Langley, junction 21 to 20, and Maple Cross to the M40, junction 17 to 16. Usual delays also starting to build through Boreham Wood, through in toward London on the A1 southbound Stirling Corner to Apex Corner. Trains and tubes so far this morning are running well. If you can update us, 08459 555555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam, for not only the travel, but the glimpse into your personal life. Go to Facebook, tell us about your first kiss. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We'll have more on taxi drivers and the love of money. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. seven o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines Luton cabbies complain of attacks at banks launched by to let mortgages and EU votes on smoking crackdown. BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton are calling for more protection from the police after a spate of attacks in we- recent weeks. Bedfordshire police have made a number of arrests but the cabbies feel violence has become so commonplace in the course of their work they've actually come to expect it. These drivers spoke to our reporter Justin Dealey. Dragged out, pointing gun in my head. I didn't report it. What's the point of reporting it? No one's going to do anything about it. And the worst incident I had was about two months ago where this window actually got smashed. This window actually got smashed. The guys didn't refuse, they refused to pay me. More on this coming up next with Ian Lee. Rents have risen by almost 10% in Buckinghamshire this year, the highest increase for any county. That's according to the Valuation Office Agency, who say private rents increased by £75, which is well above the national average. This comes as banks give more details of the mortgages they'll offer under the government's expanded help-to-buy scheme. Simon Gompetz has more. The deposit can be as little as 5% of the price. To encourage banks to lend the remaining 95%, the government will provide a taxpayer guarantee to cover... 15% of the loan. RBS and NatWest are offering a two-year fixed-rate mortgage starting at 4.99% under the scheme. Halifax will be taking applications in a few days and Virgin Money will join from January. The House of Commons Treasury Select Committee has published a report repeating concerns that help to buy could raise house prices rather than encourage more building. But the government view is that the market's recovering from a low base and that the initiative will help hundreds of thousands of families to get a foot on the ladder. An organisation that represents senior clinicians in accident and emergency departments across the UK says excessive pressure on staff could be putting patients at risk. A report by the College of Emergency Medicine entitled Stretch to the Limit concludes that without urgent action, A&E departments won't be able to give safe, consistent care. 
The European Parliament will vote later today on new rules on the sale of tobacco designed to discourage young people from taking up smoking. Among the measures being considered are bans on packets of 10 and the outlawing of slim cigarettes. The plans are opposed by the tobacco industry. The Scouts have launched an alternative version of their promise in an attempt to attract atheists to the movement. While members will still have to do their duty to the Queen, there's no mention of God. In sport, Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury. He'll continue to receive treatment at Chelsea, so could possibly return for the match against Poland next Tuesday. Leighton Baines is now favourite to start at left-back, while Roy Hodgson has called up Kieran Gibbs of Arsenal to his squad of 23. England need to win both matches to guarantee qualification for the finals in Brazil next summer. The weather mainly dry with an increasing amount of cloud, but still warm with a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius. That's 68 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. I've made a question mark out of a broken elastic band. What about atheists uh, and uh, uh, anti-monarchists? The atheists are, co- are covered. OK, what about anti-monarchists? The anti-monarchists still unhappy. You don't get many of those, though, under the age of 12, do you? If I have my way, you would. <laughs> hey, Catherine, yeah. you've been around the block a few times. You're a good girl. Everyone knows that. But you're a good time girl. <laughs> wow. When, yeah, was, <laughs> that means you're just like nice to hang out with, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Ah. Uh, first kiss, when was yours, please? It was when I was about 13. French exchange. Oh, They were over here. No. Easy prey. Oh, no, Catherine. And it was round the back of Stephen E. Gice rink. I expected so much more <laughs> of you. A, Fren- a French lad. Yeah, Nicolas. That's a girl's name. Well, it had an S on the end, but no one pronounced it. And did, did you think you were in love with him? Uh, I No, I just thought, oh, well, why not? <laughs> I wasn't really spoiled for choice, to be honest, at that stage. Did I had he, yet to bloom. Did he have one of those... Sorry? Did he have... He had what, a slight moustache. I was about to say, a bum fluff moustache. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you think he was sophisticated? He, was quite fit. he looked a bit like the little one out of Weird Science. Oh, OK. Yeah, he was cute. Yeah, he was okay. cute. All right, thanks very much. Thanks, I did it for you, obviously. What, the kiss? <laughs> thanks very much. Like, I took one for the team. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including taxi drivers in Luton say that attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. According to a charity, poor children who are behind in maths, reading and writing when they're seven have their life chances virtually determined. And if you were listening to yesterday's show, do you remember this? Trevor. On the maths, Trevor. for all the Trevor. right reasons. Trevor. And I've, as I've said to you a Trevor. couple of times, Trevor. active Luton are working Trevor. with the clubs and the like. Trevor. That was Trevor Holden, the chief executive of Luton Borough Council. He came on to talk about the TV show Splash. He's coming on again today to try and explain himself a little bit better. We're also, for some reason, talking about the love of money is the root of all evil. That's the saying, isn't it? I'm having people having a go at me, saying I've got it wrong. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Now, the reason we're talking about uh, the love of money being the root of all evil is, is Dave called up, and, and Dave was, was saying that 90%, 90% of the public will use any means available to them to get money, including stealing from children and, and robbing taxi drivers. I dispute his statistics. I'm not sure w- what survey he got those figures from, but he went on to say that money is the root of all evil. I, of course, being the pedant that I am, picked him up on that and said, no, 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 it's not. Yes, it is, Ian. No, it's not. Oh, yes, it is, Ian. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Surely everyone knows that, don't they? Alfred's from Luton. Alfred, which one is it, please? Morning, Ian. Morning. How are you? Yeah, that's fine, thank you. Yeah, it is actually... The love of money is the root of all evil. You are right, Ian. I am right, aren't I? You are correct. You are correct, certainly so, young man. Let, let's, let, if you were here now, I'd be high-fiving you and hugging you Ooh, like what? we were football players. Well, I'm sitting in my lorry, in my lorry cab now. I'm You're doing what? I'm giving you a high-five back. I'm sitting in my lorry cab now. Sitting. I'm a lorry driver. Yeah. Okay, yep, yep. Panic there I'm, for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a high-five back as high well. High-five back, brother. Uh, do, do, yeah. Now, do you know where the quote comes from? I do. It comes from the Bible, the ah. New Testament. Ah. And it's from 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 10. Okay. And now, do you know that off by heart? That uh, Are you a, a, a religious man that can quote pages from the Bible, or have you looked oh, oh, that up? Oh, oh. Please don't put me, on, put me on the spot. Now, I had to look it up on my phone, but okay. I knew roughly where it was. But yeah, I can assure you, it's love of money, it's all evil, and it's from First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. So Alfred, you are correct. Listen, I, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Alfred. I appreciate that a lot. There we go. You see, he's, sat, he's sitting in his cab. In case anyone was worried there, my heart literally sank then. He's sitting in his cab, uh, and he looked it up. So there you go, you see. It's the love of money is the root of all evil, and it's uh, from the Bible. I would never have got the Bible, actually, but uh, there you go. 08459 455 555. Now, taxi drivers in Luton say that attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. Some want to see a swifter response by the police. Others say they don't even bother reporting attacks as they have no confidence that anything will be done. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to cab drivers in town. Mohammed, you've been a taxi driver for, what, 12 years here in Luton. Um, I've just spoken to a man who had a gun pointed at his head and he didn't phone the police. And you know many taxi drivers, when things do happen, they simply don't bother. Why don't they bother? Because in the past, police don't really bother. So my argument with the driver, with my colleague, you just still make the complaint. Whether they come or not at the same time, at least your complaint will be logged. You know what I mean? So the, every time you have any incident, related, you know what I mean? If, if somebody attacks you or somebody threatening you, you must go there and make a complaint. If, if you can't go there, you just found them. You got something to, you know what I mean, is on the record. So the conversations you're having with your colleagues... The majority have lost all faith in the police to protect them. Yeah, that's true. Because police fail to do anything. Police do say it. I mean, I, I, I can give you an, another example. About seven, eight years ago, I picked up a fare. I wasn't driving the black cab. I was driving private hire. I picked up a, two young girls. They bought a seven-pound fare. I brought them the, you know, outside their house, and they refused to pay me. I said, all right, get out. I rang the police, and police said this is a civil matter. At that time, I asked the lady over the phone, I said, can I have your name and your PC number? Because you telling me it's a civil matter. It's not a civil matter. But it's robbery. Yeah, it's, it's a criminal. If you're not going to send somebody right now, I want your details so I can make a complaint against you because you attended my call and you're not bothering anybody to the, the, this incident point. And within five minutes, she said, or oh, I'll send somebody around. So the police came. But the point was, if 
like other drivers, I would have said, all right, the, what police told me is a civil matter. It's only because you forced the issue exactly. that, that something was done and exactly. you knew your rights. You know what I mean? So that's it. So that's why my argument with my colleague is you must tell the police... Two out of ten, they probably do bother about it, but, but, but you know, eight of them, they, they, they don't bother. Well, that's Justin Daly speaking to a cab driver in Luton. I'm joined on the phone now by Lewis Williams, who is a private hire driver in Bedford, who's called for cameras to be installed in cabs. It makes sense, doesn't it, Lewis? Or if something happens in your cab, you should report it. He's absolutely and totally correct. There is, There are times when the police don't appear to respond to incidents, but... If it's logged, they get it. They can build up a, a crime picture. If they if they only know of one incident and one report in two years, then they say, okay, there's no problem. Mm. If they get ten or twenty reports in a week, then they know that they've got a problem, and they they, they will then prioritize and sort that out. Why are cab- camp- I just say why are cab drivers so reluctant to report incidents? I think there are two reasons. Your, your uh, reporter was absolutely correct in the interview that he was doing, that uh, the drivers do feel that sometimes the police do treat it as a civil matter. However, there is um, an argument that there should be more contact between the police and the council and the drivers um, on a regular basis, whether it's Luton, whether it's Bedford, whatever local authority it is, so that any uh, differences can be address can be sorted straight away it's, it's like the, the 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 cameras in the in the car sometimes they, they can be used more they, 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 I, I make it clear by the way to anybody who's listening that the, the cameras are not accessible by the drivers themselves they are a security system where the only people that can access the the photographs uh, the photographic images are the police um, okay, so because there, there's some some people might be concerned that some drivers might be having a right old perv up yeah. over them, but they don't have access no, to the film. No, no, so, no. so no, how no, does no. where is the camera situated? Uh, that is entirely up to the people who are installing the system. And right. in actual fact, they're, des- they're, they're designed, as with a lot of security cameras, you don't necessarily know where they're located. And there are, there are security reasons for that. And but how many cabs in how many cabs in Bedford have these uh, these cameras now, Lewis? It, it's difficult to put it, a, a number on it uh, because uh, the, there are some that have them installed, there are some that, that don't. And so um, I, I don't know what the exact number is. I don't think uh, anybody has um, actually sorted that number out. I think the important thing for people to remember, though, is that they're there to, to protect as well. Uh, mm. they, they, for example, I mean, it could be the other way around where somebody, uh, where there is a, a dispute between two, uh, the, the customer and and the, the driver. And the, the security camera can be used as evidence in either way. So mm. there, there, there are the benefits of both. Has it had an I effect, the, the, the cameras? Has, has it had an effect? Has it reduced crime? I think, uh, as with all security measures, whatever they are, whether it's um, talking to the, the drivers and making sure that they're aware of how they can protect themselves, whether it's the, the cameras, all sorts of information can be of help in reducing the crime and putting the, the, the drivers into a position where there is no um, uh, assault on them. But the main point is that uh, whatever happens, make sure that they keep reporting the incident. Mm. And this is the, 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 the prime thing. The, 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 the driver you were talking to is quite correct. The drivers do feel that, um, that, they, that they, they don't get the support. And in, case, in many cases, that is correct. And he is absolutely correct. It is a crime not to pay. Uh, the Bedford uh, drivers now have a, a ticket in their vehicle reminding customers that it is a crime. 
So there, there are different ways that we can do it. But I think the main thing is, and I think that what we need to have more, is more contact between the drivers, the police, the local authorities, talking to each other, sorting out their differences, making sure that they understand each other's needs. For the police to understand the needs of the driver when they make a call, but for the drivers to understand why it may be that sometimes the police can't come out. For example, if somebody's done a runner, there's no point in the police attending because the person has already gone. But at least if it's reported, we get an idea of where the problem areas are. So it helps the drivers. Lewis, thank you very much indeed. Lewis Williams, private hired driver in Bedford. He's been calling for cameras to be installed in cabs, and a, a number of those uh, cabs in Bedford do now contain cameras. If you've been a cab driver, if you are one, if you're married to one, what stories have you heard? I mean, we're, we're, we're getting some pretty graphic stories of people having guns pointed at their heads. What stories have you heard? What's happened to you? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I'm Ian Lee. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now, shall we? Oh, no, travel's not in yet. Well, wait, I was, I was jumping the gun there. I got a little bit excited. Adam Glynn, who's normally bang on the money, normally steams up quite early, but... Um, He's late today. Well, in that case, we'll read one of these texts, shall we? Look, a text on taxi driver. Ian, I used two Luton taxis on Saturday night. Both drivers struggled to speak English, and I had to give directions, as they didn't know the destinations, which were both in Luton. This happens all the time. So annoying, Sharon and Luton. I'm not worried if they don't speak English, as long as they can understand where I want to go and know how to get there. That That is bad when a cab driver says... "What's." So I've had that. You get in the back of a cab. What, what's the best route, they say? What's the best route? I don't know. You're the cab driver. What route would you normally do? I've never done this journey before. Then they start looking at maps or get their sat-navs out. You should know the route, guys. Come on. 08459 455 555. He's in. He's docked. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Standing to attention, or more accurately sitting to attention, the M1 northbound problems blocked by an accident just it's just before junction four at Edgware, and it's for traffic of course leaving London and coming up toward Hertfordshire. Congestion is already back to the London Gateway services. Traffic's being held there at the minute on that northbound M1 as police attend to a car that's hit the central reservation, so that's around junction four at Edgware. Southbound on the M1, we've got a partial blockage. This was the one that Tom called us about earlier this morning. An accident with four vehicles involved between Junction 9 at Redbourne and Junction 8 at Hemel Hempstead. That is already slow back to Junction 10 as you go past Luton Airport. High Street in Westerning, the A5120. We're hearing reports of an overturned car at Flittick Road. It's on the roundabout there, affecting traffic between Flitting and Westerning this morning. Thanks to Anne who called us. The A1M southbound. We're hearing this may be blocked by a broken down lorry at Junction 10, or at least partially. So that's the Stopfold and Baldock turning. On the roundabout though, not on the main carriageway there, but we're hearing that the lorry is broken down on the roundabout as you join from the end of the motorway so looking busy around there m25 anti-clockwise stop start into the roadworks also slow from the m1 through to watford and from maple cross to the m40 adam glynn bbc three counties radio Thank you, Adam. Morning at 7.17. It's Tuesday, the 8th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton say they are increasingly uh, becoming the target of violent attacks by the public and uh, are calling on the police to take the problem seriously. Rents have risen by almost 10% in Buckinghamshire this year, the highest increase for any county. 
in sport. Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because he hurt a rib. Weather today mainly dry with increasing cloud but still becoming warm again with a maximum temperature of 20 degrees. Coming up with rents in Bucks being amongst the highest in the county of the country, sorry. Will people in Buckinghamshire be able to benefit from the government's new help to buy scheme? BBC Three Counties Radio. Who's a businesswoman and a broadcaster. Isn't it annoying when you just miss the end of something? Close to the headlines, there's a full bulletin at four. You have to turn the radio off. Shh. Or there's just so many interesting things, you don't have time to listen to them all. There's a lady here. Hello, have you got the treasure for me? I have the treasure. I lost him when I was 11 and he certainly made a great impression on me. Then why not use BBC iPlayer Radio? She developed a cocaine habit that cost her over £120 a day. You can listen again to our programmes and even see what our presenters look like. You look like Mr Stamper from a James Bond film. Head to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and make BBC Three Counties Radio unmissable. From this week, aspiring homebuyers will be able to start applying for the second phase of the government's Help to Buy scheme. And if they're buying in Buckinghamshire, they might need it. The county has seen the highest rises in prices in the last year, 9.7%. The Right to Buy initiative will offer state-backed mortgages to UK borrowers with deposits as low as 5% for properties worth up to £600,000. But critics say it could lead to some people taking on too much debt. Some reckon it could even create a fresh housing bubble. The decision to bring forward the scheme was announced by David Cameron last week. As Prime Minister, I'm not going to stand back while people's aspirations to get on the housing ladder, to own their own flat, to own their own home, are being trashed. That's why we need to act. Well, Sophie Chick is from the estate agent Savills and joins me now. Morning, Sophie. Morning. How will Help to Buy change the way that you as an estate agent operate? Um, I don't think it'll have a, a fundamental change on the effect um, for uh, state agents and how they operate. Um, if anything, we might find um, that the business is a little busier and if we do see the increase in transactions that we're expecting to see. Is it, it's going to make it easy, easier for people to get on the property ladder, isn't it? That's the basic yeah. premise. I think that that's, um, that's one of the key points, you know, it will help some people, but what everyone sort of needs to understand is it's not the free lunch that everyone seems to think it is. I mean, you're going to have to go through very strict um, credit checks before you're able to sort of be part of the scheme. So anyone with a poor credit history won't qualify. And also they're going to make sure they have a very close look at what your incomings and um, outgoings are to make sure that monthly repayments are affordable to you before you're able to get onto the scheme. There are people, Sophie, who have fears that uh, help to buy is going to lead to another housing bubble. What do you think about that? I mean, we we don't agree with this. Um, We have... Um, actually revised our house price forecast for over the next five years. And we did increase them once help to buy was um, introduced. But actually, for the UK average, we're only forecasting 18% growth over the next five years, which does sound like quite a lot. But actually, when you take into account inflation, that's only a 3% um, real house price growth over that period. So we're nothing like sort of bubble territory. We're not talking sort of 2006, 2007 levels of growth here. This this is going to be great for you, though, isn't it? Whether people can afford the houses or not, you're going to do more business and you're going to make more money. So estate agents must be embracing this. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, it, it stands, the banks are going to be very strict on what they, on the credit checks that they have to go to because, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, they only want people who can afford um, to have this repayment. So once they're sort of through that stage, then the estate agents, are, I mean, are going to get busier. I think one of the key sort of casualties of the credit crunch that is probably underreported on is the fact that transaction levels really did fall off a cliff in the UK, um, you know, running at around half of the levels that we'd seen before 2007. So people just weren't able to move homes. Um, and, you know, we are expecting those transaction levels to pick up, but we still don't think, even with help to buy, that they're going to reach the levels that they were before 2007. They'll still be around 25% below. Sophie, thank you very much. Sophie Chick from the estate agent Savills. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties. Shall we have a look at the front pages? Oh, look! There's Prince William. Ah, playing football with a man, Michael Owen. He's playing football with a a man, Michael Owen, there. Isn't that great to see a couple of millionaires having fun? Good for them. Bravo, bravo. Millions to profit from Royal Mail share sale. Small investors applying for minimum allocation, likely to make more than £250. Well, this goes against what I read yesterday, and I can't remember what paper it was in, that said that um, the the smaller uh, people, you and I... The, uh, the man on the street, on the Clapham omnibus, buying shares in Royal Mail will suffer because we won't be able to buy that many. But according to this, uh, we'll make a fortune. Um, help to buy mortgages and offer to thousands of people. We've been talking about that. Oh, the Times have got a fantastic picture of Prince William. You can't see him with the football man, Michael Owen, but he's holding two balls. Footballs. Excuse me. Footballs he's holding. Oh, he's not doing a gazer. The Times. Thousands face fines for claiming child benefit. Middle-class parents ignored new tax laws. Tens of thousands of middle-class parents face steep fines on top of losing child benefit because they failed to register on time for their tax return. Oh, dear. Uh, And Miliband promotes new breed of loyalists. I don't really... uh... The Independent. China to US. Get your fiscal house in order. Wow, China is telling America what to do. Superpower warns that clock is ticking over shutdown crisis. Are they still shut down, America? I kind of missed out on this last week. When I was off poorly, uh, it's kind of a a metaphorical two fingers up to to everyone. I always get very grumpy when I'm poorly. So I didn't read or watch any news. I shut off from the world. So I know that America closed down. I kind of assumed they'd sorted it out. But they haven't. China. The biggest foreign creditor of the United States has waded into the American budget crisis, warning Congress it must resolve the political impasse over the debt ceiling without further delay. Um, and uh, there's a, let, let's uh, sex. Let's not talk about it. Page twenty. What is, there's lots of programmes on at the moment about sex. What's this about? And again, if you've got young ears, maybe put some cotton wool in there. What's this about um, a sex cube? Have you heard this about a sex cube, a sex box? It's a TV programme on Channel 4 where a couple go into this box, this cube, and they, you know, mm-hmm, and then they come out and talk about it to Mariella Frostrop. That's TV these days? Whatever happened to the Crystal Maze? Um, where, t- a titillation that masquerades as serious television. Every generation likes to think it, it has more sophisticated attitudes to sexual behaviour than those of the past. Well, thanks to Channel 4, this is it. Campaign for Real Sex Season 
have the sharp pleasure of... Why would, why would anyone want to do that? You go into a box, you have it off, and then you come out and you talk about it to the, to the woman who does the book club show on uh, Radio 4. Oh, it, oh apparently it's got, a, it's got a sensible aim. Is it? it aims to reclaim sex from pornography. Yeah, right. Do you remember the old... What, what, was, the, what was the green triangle? You're old enough to remember this. Uh, I think, producer Tara. Do you remember the green triangle that they used to show on Channel 4? Was that, did that mean it was pornographic, or what did that mean? Well, I think the green triangle was just a quality street, wasn't it? <laughs> You're so much like my mum. No, they used to... <laughs> that was her favourite of all the quality streets, by the way. I can never quite understand it. Didn't they... Was it a green triangle or a red triangle? And I remember staying up late at night as a 14-year-old boy. What, it would come up on the screen? Yeah. Just uh, to advise you. It meant that... Whoa, meant it was going to be a little bit mucky, I think, was the premise. Do you, oh, I, I don't know. I you're such a girl. I didn't sit up and watch programmes like that, waiting for the triangle to come on the screen. OK, well, I, I, I did. If anyone knows, 08459 455 555. What was the triangle? There was a green triangle. And it was supposed to be like, it meant it was a mucky season. It must have been 26 years ago. Uh, it, I, don't, I, I was disappointed by its muck. If I'm completely honest. Uh, let's have a look at The Guardian. Hope of malaria vaccine within two years after successful trials and plunge in language degrees blamed on A-level marking. The Daily Express has got an amazing front page. Maddie will find her alive. Well, that's wonderful. They're going to find Madeleine McCann alive. Then you read the next bit. New British police investigation gives us hopes as parents. OK, so that's the parents um, I- expressing their hope and their optimism. Well, good for them, but D- Daily Express, naughty front page. Naughty front page. It says something that it implies something that isn't true. The parents of Madeleine McCann say they've been given fresh hope of finding their daughter alive. Jerry McCann said he and wife Kate are optimistic a crime watch appeal will lead to a significant breakthrough in the case. So we've gone to We'll Find Her Alive to optimistic. Daily Express, very, very naughty. Daily Mail, how wearing socks in bed can cure a low libido. Uh Aha. Human rights to make a killing. A damning dossier reveals taxpayers' bill for European court payouts to murderers, terrorists and traitors. Uh, and the sun, there's a girl with her pants falling down. Uh, you've, you've done some research, Producer Tara. You've, you've actually d- done some... Well, I don't want to say some work. That sounds rude. But you've actually done so some work. Cheeky. So yes, cheeky. Go yes, on. The green triangle. Uh, it's actually red. Oh. I presume you, in your mind you thought it was green because it meant green for good. Go! 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 go. Ready, steady, go! And it and boy, was used did by I. Channel 4 yep. in the late 80s yep. and it meant that you had to view it with special yeah. discretion. Yeah, I was very discreet, yeah. let me say. Thank you very much indeed. Well, there we go. 08459 four double five five double five. You can go to Facebook. We're talking about red triangles and uh, uh, give us your uh, stories about your first kiss please facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr i'm ian lee this is bbc three counties let's get the travel news now with adam travel news for beds cards and bugs bbc three counties radio Cheers in. We start off with traffic on the M1 northbound trying to leave London and head up into Hertfordshire this morning. The M1 northbound has been blocked by an accident just before Edgware at Junction 4 and that's solid back to the London Gateway services. Police are holding the traffic while they attend to a car that's hit the central reservation. 
Now on the southbound M1, we've got a partial blockage. This is an accident with four vehicles involved between Redbourne and Hemel Hempstead, Junction 9 and 8. Congestion back at least as far as Luton at Junction 10. We are waiting further confirmation on how many lanes of the motorway are actually blocked through there. So if anyone's driven past it and you can see what's going on, if you can give us a quick phone call, 08459 of course, if it's safe for you to do so. The A5 southbound, very slow as you go through Dunstable and down toward Redbourne as people try and avoid the M1. Problems on the A1M southbound. There's reports that it's a partial blockage, a broken down lorry on the roundabout at Junction 10, which is Stotfold and Baldock. We're hearing it's broken down on the roundabout as you join from the end of the motorway there. Also delays further down the A1M in the usual spots, so past Hitchin and towards Stevenage, and then approaching London and the M25. Onto the M25 then, stop-start traffic from the M11 through to Enfield, M1 round to Watford and Maple Cross to the M40. We're also hearing reports of an overturned car. This is on the high street in Westerning, the A5120, on the roundabout as you come toward Flittick Road. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. the 7.30 headline, I'm Catherine Boyle. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase, but the police seldom take them seriously. Rents have risen by almost 10% in Buckinghamshire this year. That's the highest increase for any county. And an organisation that reports, sorry, represents senior clinicians in accident and emergency units says excessive pressure on staff could be putting patients at risk. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury. Everton's Leighton Baines is now favourite to start at left-back, as Ian Dennis reports. If there's one area of the pitch where Roy Hodgson is blessed in terms of talent to provide cover, then it's left-back. However, it's still a setback for England because Ashley Cole demonstrated only last month in Kiev his outstanding ability in crucial matches. Fortunately, Hodgson can call on the excellent Leighton Baines, who's in line for his 15th and most important start yet for his country. Cole could yet return for Poland next week, depending on how his rib injury responds to treatment. Gus Poyet is expected to be confirmed as the new Sunderland manager later today. He's been the favourite for the job since Paolo Di Canio was sacked a fortnight ago. In the Johnson's Paint Trophy tonight, there's a local derby as Stevenage take on the MK Dons at home. Here's Borough boss Graham Wesley. We need to end the, the run that we're on, um, stop the rot and get ourselves back on the right foot. Um, I'm sure the lads' determination um, will grow. I'm sure that uh, you know their appetite and, and belief in themselves and in what we're doing um, will never diminish. The Luton Town boss John Still may rest Alex Lawless for tonight's conference match at Aldershot. The midfielder has recently returned from injury and Still isn't sure he can play two games in three games, three days. I am slightly aware, you know, like we played Alex Saturday and we weren't 100% about playing Alex uh, because it's important he plays fit. You know, two games in a couple of days might be more than we want to do with him so we, we might look at something there. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Now, listen. Mm. Now, uh, you were a little bit fumbly in that bulletin, and that's fine. No, normally I've I would, had a shock. Well, exactly. Normally I would chastise you immediately after you, after the, the, such a report, but I've just opened that email that you've sent me. <laughs> we, we were talking 30 minutes ago about first kisses, and yeah. your first kiss was with a, a young French lad that you exploited. <laughs> what, what was his name? Nicolas. Yeah, Nicolas. <laughs> You've you've been googling him. I Facebooked him. You've just found I wish him. I hadn't. You just found him on Facebook. He loves cameras. <laughs> He's holding four cameras. He's a very handsome man. 
I mean, he's got massive, massive eyebrows. Let's not be, let's not be rude. He's still got that bum fluff moustache, but he's a good-looking boy. I'd say you're batting out of your league a little bit there. He's about half my size. <laughs> well, uh, are you going to say... I think that nature has turned the tables, because at one point he was doing me a favour. Now, I think these days, he'd be lucky. Well, uh, well, and he would be very lucky. Are you going <laughs> to send him a little uh, little wink, little nudge on I Facebook? It, I think it's best to close his Facebook page and never speak of it again. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're talking to Trevor Holden from Luton Borough Council. He was on the show yesterday. It didn't go particularly well. well. We'll see what he's got to say today. That's coming up in the next 30 minutes. But before that, can a child's future be determined at the age of just seven? According to the charity Save the Children, poor children who are behind in maths, reading and writing when they're seven have their life chances virtually determined. The report called Too Young to Fail states being behind their peers at such a young age could prejudice a child's future earnings, health and in economic terms cost the country billions in lost revenue. Well, joining me now is Will Hyam from Save the Children. Will, so if they don't get it at an early age, does that mean that they, they really can't catch up? The, no, there's, there's, there's lots we, we can and must do. But the truth is, if we don't act... It's all too easy to stand beside a child at seven when before they've had a real fair chance in life and just beginning their education and see their educational future closing down ahead of them at 16 and, and the job market ahead of that. Why is it kids from poorer backgrounds? What, how does that affect them? It's, it's a complex mix of issues. It's, we know from a parent survey of parents of young children that we did that parents are under huge financial pressure right up to, to middle incomes. So that hits music lessons, school trips. We also find that working parents with less money are under huge time pressure. Um, and, that all, and it means, too, that w- we know that in some parts of the country, schools and areas are, are better at helping top up what teachers do in the classroom and make sure that, that, that children at seven are, are, are starting with their reading. So who who is it down to? Whose responsibility is it more, the schools or the parents, Will? I don't think it, it's about blame. It's about what we know works. And we're launching today, for example, Born to Read, which is a volunteer reading programme that will, will um, help 23,000 children over the next five years. And that's about people sitting down, volunteers, spending time over a year really helping one-to-one uh, children between seven and nine with their reading. And I, I was visiting a programme last week, and it, it's amazing the pride the children have in how they've come on, how keen they are to show it, the, the pride on the volunteers' face. That reaching out to parents, helping them in, in, in teaching their children, really topping up what parents do at home and what teachers do in the classroom. But parents from poor families can still teach their kids... To read, that, that, that doesn't cost anything. Absolutely. And if you, our survey of parents shows how important um, parents of all income levels know that is. But, you know, the facts, are, the facts are staring us in the face that at seven, we are seeing huge numbers of children from poorer families and, and some from better off families falling behind before they've even had a fair chance in life. Well, thank you very much indeed. Will Hyam from Save the Children. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's, it's going back to what Catherine was saying. It's a very dangerous game, dear listener, to uh, go onto Facebook and look up exes, first kisses. Oh, it, it's a dangerous game because you either spend a lot of time 
sitting there going, oh, look at her. Oh, she, oh, she's turned for the worst. Dearie me. Thank God I got out when I did. Thank God she dumped me when she did and broke my heart because I'm, I'm winning now. Huh? I'm the successful one now. Or you have the opposite reaction and you go, oh, blimey. She's got well fit. That's not fair. How did that happen? It's, it's a very, very dangerous uh, 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 thing. Um, I'm looking at... Uh, look, the, the one comment that someone's put about First Kiss on Facebook... It's very rude. The lady tasted of fags. Nice. Went back for seconds, though. I was 14. It was wicked. Uh, I, and that's the, that's the censored version, dear listener. That's the censored version, for goodness sakes. 08459 455 555. I briefly alluded to the front page of The Sun, uh, where it's a young lady with her pants down. It's some girl who's caught trying to steal the other one from One Direction. Not the haircut. It turns out there's more than one boy in One Direction. She's stolen his pants... Uh, and they are falling down. Well, what must her mother think, for goodness sakes? Uh, and a Sun exclusive. 2012, Paralympic Weir storms to four gold medals. 2013, he's refused home with a downstairs toilet. Hell for hero. Oh, I see what they've done there. Paralympic hero David Weir has to drag himself upstairs by his arms to the toilet because housing chiefs won't give him a home with a downstairs loo. Well, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? That's the state of of, uh, play for a lot of people. The mum of Paralympic legend David Weir, yes, they said, it was a national disgrace. The wheelchair-bound athlete is being refused a home with a downstairs toilet. He's a national hero, but he can't find a decent house and the council aren't helping. Well, I would put it to one side, the fact that he he did well at at sports. that, That shouldn't allow him to jump the queue, should it? He's simply too good to have a nice house. He's not a jailbird or a junkie, so as far as they're concerned, he's got to make do with what he's got. Uh, and yes, of course this gentleman should have a downstairs toilet. Of course he should. That's a basic. But then so should thousands, if not millions, of other people in this country. We shouldn't just give it to him because of uh, his, uh, his record-breaking. Um, after the games, Roundshaw said they had a three-bedroom house going, but then told us we couldn't have it because they did not want it to look like they were showing favouritism. Oh, there you go. Uh, first kisses. We've been talking about first kisses this morning. Uh, uh, Pam Ayres has been banging on about hers in uh, one of the papers, saying it was pretty horrible. Happened when she was 13, and it wasn't that exciting. Lots of big rubbery lips and saliva. My, my first was when I was 15, and it was, it was fantastic. Well, Jane Butterworth is a former agony aunt and a relationship expert. Morning, Jane. Well, good morning to you. We put a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pressure on on us as we approach our first kiss, isn't there? Well, there certainly is. And I mean, nobody actually tells you how to do it. (laughs) And so it's a real hit and miss thing. So no wonder it was bad for the first time. I must say, it wasn't for me. It was jolly nice. Can you remember your first one? How old are you and where was it? Um, I was 14 and it was a car park in Slough, um, which is... Desperately romantic. Hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Which car park in Slough? Not the bus station. Do you know, I think it was. That was where... It, it wasn't you, was it? No, mine was with... <laughs> My first kiss was on the steps of Slough bus station. Oh, how funny. I, isn't that funny? Well, it, it obviously got something going for it, if we both had our first kisses there. And how was it as a kiss? Was it good? Was it, it was awkward? Pretty, it was pretty jolly good, but then I kind of fancied the split for quite a long time. Yeah. So, you know, even if it had been pretty jolly bad, I think I might have sort of thought, great... <laughs> Yeah, my, my first one was with a girl called Kerry, who I'd fancied for years. And let's just say, politely, she'd kissed a few more blokes than I'd kissed <laughs> girls. She, you know, so she, I was in X 
expert hands. Uh, and it was it was wonderful. And uh, I remember kind of floating home after that. Well, uh, ditto, you know, ditto. But then, you know, I, when I was an agony aunt, people used to write to me, usually young boys, it has to be said, and say, look, you know, I'm going to have to kiss her. And, oh, dear, I'm so frightened. And I'd say, well, practice, you know, practice. Make it, make a fist out of your hand and practice kissing the side of it. Kiss, what, what, like, when, kissing the hole? Well, more or less, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, I used to practice on my pillow. Would you recommend that? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's fraught with danger, really, isn't it? And it doesn't, doesn't really resemble the real thing. It doesn't, no. It doesn't, really. Why do we get so het up about it? Well, I think well, you, you, you are fraught with insecurities and lack of confidence at that age, and you're desperately trying to please, and you don't really know what it's about, but you feel, you've got the feeling, mm. you haven't got the expertise, that's what it is. There's always that, but, and again, we have young ears listening, so I'm, I'm going to tread delicately, but I, I do remember having the conversations with friends. So what do you do with the tongue? Well... I know now. <laughs> I've worked it out now in the last few years. But there is... The, 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 there's always that... So what, where does your tongue go? What? You, well, you I, touch tongues? Ugh. I think for, 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 for the first time, you just kind of um, check out, you know, wait and see. Yeah. There's nothing more off-putting than, 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 than something that's sort of rather intruding, if you get my job. Yes. You know, and um, it, it's forcing its way in and you don't really want it to. And is it, is it boys or girls? I, I, I seem to remember the girls... Again, I grew up in Slough, but the girls having a kind of savvy about them around this kind of thing and it was the boys that were more apprehensive well girls have more emotional intelligence perhaps you know at that age they tend to so maybe that's it you know and 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 they're expecting the boys to make the lead you know they're expecting them to make the first move Mm. they're not going to make the first move and that that puts a lot of pressure on a boy it really does uh, and uh, my, I remember my, my second... Uh, listen, I, I've, I'd lived a very sheltered life. My first kiss was at 15 with Kerry. Then she dumped me. Uh, and then my second kiss was at 17, again with Kerry, because we got it back together. But I remember that I'd eaten a load of Monster Munch, munch for the second kiss. Oh, not good. No, not good. They were the onion ones, pickled onions. Oh, terrible. No, I know. <laughs> but fair play to her. She went with it. And she, 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 the, the, the things like that can ruin an experience and put you off for a while, can't they? Well, they can indeed. And I think that's what probably what a lot of young people don't realise that your breath has to be really pristine, yeah. smelling and lovely. Jane, I, I appreciate uh, your help and your, your advice this morning. It's how funny. We both had, shared our first kisses, not with each other, but at the same location, Slough Bus Station, which is, is gone. They've knocked it down now. I was there the other day and it's gone. I could not go and uh, gaze wistfully at those romantic steps and uh, think back on what had happened. I remember I wore a new shirt and new trousers and I'd left the label on them. How embarrassing was that? Very embarrassing, it turns out. 08459 455 555. If you want to share your stories of your first kiss, you can also go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. We'll get Justin Dealey's uh, story about a first kiss a little bit later on. He started at nine. At nine? I'm thinking back, I could have had my first kiss at 10. I was in several situations with a girl called Sonia where we could have done. We used to go and sit under the slide just near the, the, the school playground. And, uh, and I couldn't. Colin Nelson was off snogging uh, Karen Young like nobody's business. And I was just sat there with Sonia going, hmm, hmm. we should probably go back to school now. Terrified. Can you imagine that? Me being uh, terrified around something like that. Yes, I'm sure you can. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's a quarter to eight. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M40 northbound, very slow. Two lanes are closed following an accident between Junction 4 at High Wycombe and 5 at Stoke and Church. It's really, really busy past there. And southbound is congested as well as people slow to have a look. So you've got delays on the M40 effectively both ways between High Wycombe and Stoke and Church because of the problem there on the northbound carriageway. The northbound M1, as traffic leaves London, there's still one lane closed for recovery work after an accident just before Edgware at Junction 4. Traffic was held for about 20 minutes through there, but two lanes reopened in the last sort of five or ten minutes. Southbound, so coming toward London on the M1, we've had an accident a little bit earlier, four vehicles involved between Redbourne and Hemel Hempstead. Everything there is reopened now. The vehicles were moved out of the way, but there's still a lot of congestion with delays from Redbourne toward Hemel Hempstead and congestion back to Luton Airport at Junction 10. Southbound on the A5, delays through Dunstable and down toward the M1 at Redbourne as people had been avoiding the M1. Through Westerning, the high street has reopened. This is the A5120. We did have reports of an overturned car this morning. It looks like that may well be gone, but if you can update us, of course, 08459 To the A1M and southbound, the broken down lorry is gone. It was on the roundabout at Stotfold and Baldock Junction 10. Delays, though, as you continue down the A1 toward London past Stevenage and heavy traffic on the M25 through the roadworks. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 7.46. It's Tuesday, the 8th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase, but the police seldom take them seriously. Rents have risen by almost 10% in Buckinghamshire this year, the highest increase for any county. In sport, Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Trevor Holden again. If you were listening yesterday, this is how it went. Trevor. On the map. Trevor. For all the Trevor. right reasons. Trevor. And I've, as I've said to you Trevor. a couple of times, Trevor. Active Luton are working Trevor. with the clubs and the like. Trevor. Well, Trevor's coming back today to maybe clear up a few things about Splash returning to Luton and how this will affect users of the sports village. We'll talk to him after we get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, we have a little bit of low cloud around this morning, but it should lift and break, and the mist that's around as well, particularly for parts of Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire, that should lift as well, and we'll get some breaks and see some sunshine. Now, it's a relatively mild start. The, the temperature outside at the moment between 13 and 14 Celsius, and perhaps today is the last of the warmer days. As we head through this afternoon, it's looking like we're going to get up to a maximum of around 19 Celsius. Overnight, it's a bit of cloud around. We could see one or two showers move through, quite light showers, though, and they they won't last for too long if we get any at all. The minimum temperature, because of all the cloud, is staying relatively mild. All of us in double figures. And then tomorrow, we'll start to notice the change. One or two showers around, some sunny spells, though. Uh, but we will start to feel a little cooler. It becomes breezy, and the maximum temperature is struggling up to just 16 Celsius. That's 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. And then overnight, Wednesday into Thursday, the northerly flow really takes hold. The wind picks up, and Thursday is really, really going to feel rather raw. And that's your forecast. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, they were really, really unhelpful. They laughed at me. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. We have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having. Since the beginning of June, I've had no schedule freezer. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Gentleman then agreed to refund me my money. As of yet, he's resold the 
the vehicle and still no refund. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. JVS is off this week. Ollie Mann is sitting in for him. I don't know if you heard it yesterday. He did a cracking job. He did a cracking job and he'll do another cracking job at nine o'clock today. Now, uh, we've been talking about taxi drivers after taxi drivers in Luton say the uh, tax on them by members of the public are on the increase. Well, Andrew's in Hatfield. Andrew, you were a taxi driver, is that correct? I am a taxi driver. You still are a taxi driver. Yeah, I've been taxi driving 35 years. Have you ever encountered any violence? No, not personally, but I've I've heard of, you know, there have been colleagues of mine that have been in the past, yeah. What sort of stuff have they they, they witnessed, has been done to them? Oh, they had knives pulled on them. There was a couple couple of lads in Welling Garden that were apprehended eventually, but they pulled knives on various drivers and demanded their money and robbed them and went off without paying as well, obviously. Um, and th- th- we're hearing this morning a lot of taxi drivers are reluctant to report these crimes to the police. Any idea why that might be? Well, my experience with the police is that in the case of taxi drivers' problems, they're virtually useless. Really? They don't seem to care. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, it's a criminal offence to not pay a taxi driver. The correct wording is obtaining um, a criminal... Uh, what is it? It's obtaining a, a pecuniary advantage by, by indicating that you're going to pay... Mm. And then when you get there, not. But to, my experience of it all is that you you have to experience certain situations and you learn from them and then it, you, you virtually don't let them happen again. Because you get classic cases where, especially where people are going out of town, and they'll say things like, oh, I'm going to pay the other end, the money's in the house, this sort of thing. Oh, uh, yes. Um, I recently had uh, two young lads and they wanted to go to Stevenage and their dad was going to pay when they got there. And I thought, yeah, all right. So I said, OK, no problem. Give me your your dad's phone number and I'll talk to him because some situations might be genuine yeah and you know and I've got a big family and I wouldn't want to think my children were stranded so uh they so as soon as I said that they backed off and said oh no oh, 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 and off they went because you, it wasn't you caught them out Andrew thank you very much indeed Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, yesterday we heard how ITV are going to be filming the greatest television show of all time, and I genuinely mean this, Splash. They're going to be filming it in Luton again next year, which is great news if you like seeing celebrity belly flops. That's great if you're a regular user of the town's brand new sports village. Well, in a moment we'll uh, hear again from Trevor Holden at Luton Borough Council. Uh, but before that, Justin Dealey, we are genuinely, our tongues are not in our cheeks, we are genuinely huge fans of this show, aren't we, Justin? Absolutely, Ian. We love this TV show. We were, you know, slightly negative to begin with about Z-list celebrity yeah. on diving balls, but when we saw the TV show, an av- average audience of 5.6 million viewers, primetime Saturday night TV, mentioning Luton, of course, we thought this TV show was absolutely fabulous. Now, you've been speaking uh, to people who use the facilities at the mm. Inspire Sports Village. A lot of people very happy... Some weren't too happy, were they? No, they weren't. Um, those that aren't happy are not happy because come January, people won't be able to use the main pool there on a Friday or a Saturday whilst filming takes place. People feel that they are entitled to some form of cashback. And here's a brief recap of what members have had to say. I'm not very pleased. You know, at the end of the day, uh, <coughs> I pay a year uh, membership, you know, and I like to use the pool whenever I feel like it uh, throughout the year. And if I can't use it, uh, I'm not going to be pleased. They don't give a toss about uh, sportsmen in this town, not just for swimming. Well, to be fair to people that pay for it, and if people have paid to use the pool and they're making money, then they should refund some of the money back to us to, 
to compensate. So how much money are you paying every month then? £110 a month we pay for them to swim at the pool. Uh, and when you spoke to the powers that be and you said, look, I'm paying this fee every single month, we can't use the pool on a Friday or a Saturday, I think I deserve some money back. What did they say to you? They um, said tough and they promised us of actually that some of the children could go on and visit. Um, they were invited to Crystal Palace to meet Tom Daly and then it, they cancelled at the last second and said that the children couldn't go after all. So, and it had already been arranged. Obviously, the children were excited. So but some people are very upset that it's potentially costing their money. They're losing money. Absolutely. You know, if they're paying a membership, you know, if they're paying that week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, whatever you want to call it, you know, they're saying, well, we are paying for a service and we don't feel we are getting that because if we want to use the pool on a Friday or a Saturday we should be allowed to do that. We don't really care about Z-list celebrities coming to our town. We want to be getting exactly what we're paying for. Okay, Justin, stay there. We may come back to you in a little bit. Thank you. I I tried to find out if people would be entitled to some money back if they can't use the pool on certain days. This is on yesterday's show, but Trevor Holden, the Chief Executive of Luton Borough Council, wouldn't or couldn't or maybe didn't understand my question. Here's a brief reminder of what happened on yesterday's show. I didn't avoid the question. I said right off from the start, actively Luton are planning to reschedule as much of the training facilities as possible and I don't know what arrangements they've got in place with the individual clubs but there's a much longer lead in time to plan to just make sure the disruption is as minimal as possible. Trevor again with the greatest respect you are avoiding the question I'll try it again if that lady is paying £100 a month for her children to swim at that pool and she is being denied access to that pool that she is paying for then she is surely entitled to some if she's not getting the service that she's paid for then surely she's entitled to some form of money back isn't she ian let me try again 26 million pound pool paid for by the people of luton this is a really really good opportunity and on and on it went well trevor holden is he's a good sport he's come back this morning to try and explain the situation morning trevor ian good morning good morning to you so what's the situation okay look based on yesterday um i've um can tell you that most lessons take place in the community pool, which is not being used for Splash. But if lessons which take place in the competition pool cannot be rescheduled and are cancelled, then full refunds will apply for any lessons that are affected. There we go. Fantastic. OK. I didn't know that yesterday, but I know that today, and I'm able to share it with you today. Well, th- I- I'm glad that uh, we've sorted that out, so we can, we can get on uh, celebrating... Um, th- the, the, the joy of, of Splash. One, one final quick question, uh, though, yeah. Trevor. How much is, uh, are you getting from the TV company for this, for the hiring of the facilities? Well, look, well any, pa- any payment, you, you know, as I said yesterday, any, any payment goes to Active Luton, and is, which yep. is non-profit making, and is reinvested in the, the facilities and Active Luton's offer to the town. Um, but you know, contractually, I can't tell you even if I knew what that figure was, but that's a matter for Active Luton and the... Um, under promoters. Why is that in, in the contract that you're not allowed to say how much you get, you're getting paid? That seems an odd thing, particularly when it's, you know, council taxpayers, have, as you said, have paid for the facilities and, and, and they are being shut out at certain times. Uh, it, it does seem odd that you can't tell them how much... I think that's, uh, and this is conjecture on my part, but I think that's around the promoters and them wanting to um, make sure they can compete for best possible price if they go somewhere else next time or the time after. But what is really, really good news is, as you rightly said, we get the facility in the front line of the media and it just boosts figures and usage for the people of Luton, which is really good. It's significantly less than last year, isn't it? I don't know, Ian. I really, really don't know. Because I know that I know that they were looking at, at going to the Olympic pool, and I, uh, I, 
Rumours have been spouted. Rumours have been have been been passed around, shall we say, that uh, Luton had to come in with a much better offer. You you are better informed than me. There we go. Who uh, listen? Who are we? Do we have any, any idea what celebrities we're going to get in there this year? Have they said anything? Well, I think you were on TV last night, and I thought yeah. that was maybe a prelude. You being one of the um, I've offered. The divers. Listen, I've, I'm not shameless about this, Trevor. I got in touch with them. I heard nothing back. <laughs> I'd be well up for that. I'd be totally up for that. Was that the photo of you and your speedo? Did yeah. you send that in or not? That may have been the thing that that, that scared <laughs> them off in the end. Well, Trevor, listen, you're a good sport for coming back on. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks you very much indeed. We sorted that out. It's Trevor Holden, Chief Executive of Luton Borough Council. I think that's put that that's sorted that out. We, we've been trying to find out how much they're getting paid for uh, for the use of the pool. We're, we're getting closer, shall we say. We're getting closer. I suspect it is significantly less than they were paid last year because ITV and the production company said, well, we could have a little look at the Olympic pool. And you can just hear the bosses at Luton Borough Council going, no, no, I got a second. We'll do it cheaper. But listen, there will be some negative aspects to Splash, and we will cover them honestly and openly. Don't worry about that. If people are affected adversely, we will, of course, on this station, be looking at them. But, 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 my cards are on the table. I think Splash is flipping brilliant. I am very excited by it. I would totally be up for it if they asked me to do it and pay me a lot of money. And uh, I, I think it's wonderful that it's coming here. It's wonderful. Can we have some tickets, please? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you want to give us a call, how could you not celebrate the wonder that is the mighty splash? My favourite bit is not just watching Omi Jalili jumping off a diving board; it's uh, the synchronised swimming. They do it to pop songs. Wonderful. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40, two lanes are closed northbound following an accident with a lorry and a car involved. This is between Junction 4 at High Wycombe and 5 at Stoke and Church. It's lanes 2 and 3 of the motorway that are shut. Traffic is pretty busy back to Junction 4. You're only getting past in lane 1, past that one. And of course southbound past the scene is also slow as people slow down to have a look. So do expect delays on the Londonbound side around Junction 5 to 4 as well. Northbound M1, as traffic leaves London coming up into Hertfordshire, still queuing because of recovery work after an accident at Junction 4 Edgware just before there. Congestion is back to the London Gateway services and one lane is still closed. M1 southbound, this is delays as you come from Luton down toward Redbourne and it's because of an accident earlier. The accident's been moved off the carriageway but there's still a lot of congestion. A5 is busy as well as people have been avoiding the M1. M25 looking slow through the roadworks anti-clockwise. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. So Catherine Boyle's first one with, with a hairy French boy. Justin Dealey first did it when he was nine. And mine was on the bus uh, station, steps of Slough bus station. Where and when did you ha- have your first kiss? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, the headlines. Luton cabbies resign to increase in violence. Buckinghamshire rent rise, highest in the country. And claims A&E staff are dangerously stretched. BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase, but the police seldom take them seriously. The cabbies told this programme they'd experienced varying levels of violence, but had largely given up reporting the incidents due to a lack of police response. Private hire driver Lewis Williams has been calling for action on a similar problem in Bedford and says communication is key. Making sure that they understand each other's needs 
for the police to understand the needs of the driver when they make a call, but for the drivers to understand why it may be that sometimes the police can't come out. For example, if somebody's done a runner, there's no point in the police attending because the person has already gone. But at least if it's reported, we get an idea of where the problem areas are. The cost of renting a home in Buckinghamshire has risen by almost 10% in the past year, the highest increase for any county. That's according to the Valuation Office Agency, who say private rents increased by £75, which is well above the national average. Meanwhile, banks have begun to give details of the mortgages they'll offer under the government's expanded Help to Buy scheme, which is designed to help people who can only afford small deposits to buy a home. MPs on the Treasury Select Committee have repeated their warning that the measure could raise house prices rather than encourage more building but the chief secretary to the treasury danny alexander rejected this suggestion the numbers of first-time buyers in the housing market are at a a a low when you look back over history you know less than half of the numbers of first-time buyers compared to the rates in the early uh, 2000s um, we are seeing still the number of transactions at much lower than the historical uh, average and look if 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 the government wasn't doing anything to help people build more houses uh, then there might be some validity to the criticism The celebrity diving show Splash is set to return to our screens in the early part of next year and will once again be filmed at Luton's Inspire Sports Village. In the last few minutes, the Chief Executive of Luton Borough Council, Trevor Holden, has told Ian Lee that most classes will be using the community pool, which will not be used by the production company, but any others affected by the filming of Splash will uh, be receiving a full refund. Residents living near the Luton to Dunstable guided busway may be eligible for compensation for excessive noise. People living in Luton close have been complaining about the sound made as the buses move between rails on the £90 million route. And South West Bedfordshire MP Andrew Salou says engineers are hoping to solve the problem. If the worst comes to the worst and um, they can't make sufficient improvements, then as with any big transport project of this nature, there is a contingency fund and the possibility of compensation. In sport, Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury and the weather mainly dry with increasing cloud but still warm with a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius, that's 68 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Catherine. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past eight. Can you believe it? It's the 8th of October. It was July the other day, wasn't it? It will literally soon be Christmas. Fantastic. Lots coming up between now and Ollie Mann, who's sitting in for JVS at nine o'clock, including taxi drivers in Luton say attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. And some of the stories really are absolutely incredible. We'll hear some of those in a few minutes. According to a charity, poor children who are behind in maths, reading and writing when they're seven have their life chances virtually determined. And your first kiss. Never particularly glamorous or exciting. No, it is exciting, but it's not glamorous. Where and when was it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Am I... Am I the only person that's never seen Downton Abbey? 
I think I'm the only person. You, you've not seen it either, but the, the producer Tara's not seen it. Because there's, there's a big furore on the front page of a lot of the newspapers. F- a fan's anger at rape scene in Downton Abbey. It, it's big enough to make it a front page news, is it? I've never... I've never there are two TV programmes mentioned in uh, the papers today that I've never understood... Uh, I never got one of them is Downton, and I mean, and, and Downton is huge, isn't it? I never liked things set in the old days. Downton is massive, and uh, 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 there's a furore around that. I think that's how you say the word. The other one is um, Open All Hours, one of the most tedious. You won't know it, Louise. You're too young. One of the most tedious. Apparently, it was a comedy program. Granville. What was the, the, the joke was it was Ronnie Barker with a stammer or stutter. I never know which we say in this country. Well, they're bringing open all hours back. Sons Ronnie Barker, of course, what with him being dead and all. But uh, David Jason is, is playing Granville. That um, busty lady is going to play the nurse, but an older version. They're bringing it back for Christmas. Really? There are some things that we don't need back. I would suggest we don't need Open All Hours. We certainly don't need the new series of Birds of a Feather that's coming. What on earth is going on with lazy TV producers? This is why, and this is why I keep saying Splash is where it's at, man. 08459 555 if you can explain the mystery of Open All Hours or indeed Downton Abbey to me, because I get neither of them. Now, on to slightly more serious things. Taxi drivers in Luton say that attacks on them by members of the public are on the increase. Some want to see a swifter response by the police. Others say they don't even bother reporting attacks, so they've got no confidence that anything will be done. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to cab drivers in uh, in town. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Drivers are, are clearly and quite rightfully concerned, aren't they? Yes, uh, very concerned. I've spoken to a, a few taxi drivers who don't wish to be named. Uh, here's one of them. I asked him just how bad the situation has become. It's, uh, pre- it can get pretty bad sometimes because when you pick up customers, you have to like actually assess them before you pick them up. We're actually in black cars, so we feel a bit safer because we've got the petition. We might have them an extra two seconds to maybe, I don't know, put your brakes on or, you know, like, do so. But if you're in a private hire vehicle and you've actually got them sitting next to you, you've had it. <laughs> so what's the worst case that you've come across then with somebody inside your cab? Have you well, been attacked yourself? Well, yeah, I've, I've been, I've had one or two scuffles, but the worst incident that I had about, uh, about two months ago, I've been doing it for about seven, eight years, and the worst incident I had was about two months ago where this window actually got smashed. This window actually got smashed. The guys didn't refuse, they refused to pay me. I was panicking, my heart was racing and I was like, what can you do? I mean, that's incredible. Do you think, like most taxi drivers, the police should be doing more for you? Yeah, yeah, I reckon reckon the police should be doing more for us because it seems like just in this town, we don't have that power other towns have. Because you're lucky in London and in other parts of the country the police you click a finger they did you know what i mean obviously they might have other certain things to be handling more important things higher up but we're a public service so there's always this it's very common now every second third day like you see in the papers someone's got strangled someone's got a knife put to them I and mean, we're out here working it's our lives we've got yeah. families to support you gotta make a living yeah yeah like do you know what i mean what can you do and it does try it, it is just blokes and women just trying to earn a few quid it's not particularly well paid i mean yes there are some shockingly bad cab drivers of course the ones where you get in and they say how do, i don't know how to get there oh for goodness sake so <laughs> you shouldn't be working but but there's no reason that anyone should attack a driver and some of these incidents are very serious aren't they that's right um this next clip it is absolutely incredible. I asked this taxi driver just how common attacks are, and here's what he had to say. So many times. What's the worst case that you've come across? Dragged out, pointing gun in my head. 
Yeah. You've been dragged out of your cab yeah. and somebody has pointed a gun at your head. Yeah. That's true. When was this? What happened? Last February. I didn't report it. What's the point of reporting it? No one's going to do anything about it. Yeah, that's true. So, and whereabouts in Luton was that? Biscuit Road, Miller's Way. But what about protection for yourself, though? Because you, you're simply trying to make a living. You've done nothing wrong. Surely the police have got to do more to help you, haven't well, they? That's the risk, isn't it? Police can't do nothing. They can do what they can when they can help us. Mm. But there's a limit they can help us. Unless we do something about our cars. Put a metal sheet, just like in America. So the police... No matter what happens, you wouldn't bother reporting it because no. you think you're wasting your time. You're definitely right. You'd be wasting your time. Incredible. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Uh, incredible is the word. It, it does. It, it just strikes me as so odd that someone, mm. you know, gets dragged out of a car, has a gun put, put at them. We've heard stories of, of people having their windows smashed, knives drawn, that they wouldn't report that to the police. They just think it's not worth the hassle. You heard from somebody earlier on who said that he thinks, on average, the taxi drivers that he speaks to, two out of ten would report a crime. He is urging them, you know, no matter what it is, you must report it. So they have that on record. But a lot of these drivers here and they've been doing this job for what 10 15 20 years i think if you said to a lot of them would you like to give up of course they would but they've been doing it for so long what would they go and do next all these people are trying to do is trying to make a living and some of the stories that we've heard this morning have been absolutely shocking i can't imagine uh, you know having a load of drunk lads or indeed drunk girls i, I suspect they're, di- they're trouble in a slightly different way perhaps a less violent way but a load mm. of drunk idiots in the back of my car giving me abuse and then you know, right, that'll be that'll be seven pounds fifty, please. And then them getting out and running right. away. I, it, it must it's, be quite uncomfortable. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. They're just trying to make a living. What I would say, I think we'll get um, even more shocking stories if we went out at the weekend because the drivers that I've spoken to, the mm. majority of those, they are working the morning shift or the afternoon shift. So if we went out at the weekend, I'm sure that we'd hear some horrendous stories. People trying to make a living week in week out. These are the sort of problems that they are facing. Justin, thank you very much uh, indeed. We'll be speaking to Justin a bit later on and finding out on his uh, his first kiss story. Well, what do you think? We've, we've had a couple of cabbies and uh, ex-cabbies calling up this morning. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about first kisses this morning, uh, Pam Ayres. You won't remember her, kids. She was a poet. I think she had her own TV show. Is that right? Pam Ayres had her own television show, a poet. Imagine that these days. Well, she's talking about her first kiss. Uh, And we've had uh, quite a few texts on this. Um, Who's this uh, from? Helen. Uh, My first kiss was when I was 17. I was a RAF in the RAF. I kissed a corporal. That's illegal, isn't it? I mean, in in military terms, you're not allowed to do that. In air traffic control, called the Goldfish Bowl, the earth did move, or was it the plane doing a flyby? I loved doing a 48... Oh, look at you. I loved doing a 48-hour shift with my corporal. Yeah, I bet you did. It lasted nine months because I then got posted to another camp. Well, was that the end of it, Helen? You couldn't see each other anymore? This is why we do not want women in the army or the RAF or the Navy because this is the kind of despicable behaviour that uh, we end up having. And uh, Mamas on Facebook says, I was on a school trip, Butlins, Barry Island, Wales, classy, age 14. I kissed Jenny Sullivan in the photo booth and got laryngitis along with all the other boys she kissed. It was worth it, though. Maybe we shouldn't have read her surname out there. I think we may have just uh, libelled. 
Ms Sullivan. I've said it again. There we go. I've compacted it. What was your first kiss? 08459 455 555. And how nervous were you? I think that the girls... Girls do mature mature, uh, earlier, quicker than boys. Uh, And they always cop off with older boys anyway, don't they? So I think that girls are perhaps a little bit... Uh, a little bit more confident in these kind of things than blokes are. I remember being terrified. Absolutely terrified. 08459 455 555. Look, a text is being brought in about Downton. Louisa, are you a fan of Downton? I'm a big fan of Downton. Why? Um, sell it to me. you got ten seconds. Sell it to me. I don't watch soaps at all. Yeah. It's my version of a soap, but with the frilly dresses and people being snooty. Get out. <laughs> It's a soap with frilly dresses and people being snooty. That's not going to sell it to me. Who's this? Uh, Karen has um, texted. Ian, I was a Downton virgin until I went away in August. On our TV in our room, we had the first three episodes of Downton free of charge. So when we had lunch, room service delivered to our room one day. By the way, how fantastic is room service? I know it's expensive. Every time I go to a hotel, I go, I won't. But then, oh, someone bringing you up a trolley with food on. Wonderful. Anyway, when we had uh, room service delivered to our room one day, my hubby selected episode one because it was free. We watched it whilst eating and really got into it and ended up watching all three. So I'm watching them on catch-up when we get back ready for start of a new series. I'm normally a big brother, I'm a celeb kind of girl. Karen. Well, it sounds like she's going up the cultural ladder slightly. Is it just like... I watched Mad Men for a bit. I watched Mad Men for a bit. This is the set, set in the 60s, 50s or 60s, American advertising agency. First series was brilliant. Not a lot happened, but it was, I enjoyed it. Second series, I gave up after four episodes. Because I got, the, I got it that, oh, they're smoking and, and they're drinking and being sexist. OK, can I have some storyline, please? No, no storyline. Wouldn't bother with that. If you can defend Downton, or, or not defend it, if you can sell it to me, then do 08459 455 555. And is there anybody at home really excited that um, Birds of a Feather and Open All Hours, the most... T- Open All Hours was on a Sunday night, I seem to remember, and it was just, it, it meant to me, right, you're going to school the next day. It meant that it was the end of the weekend. It was so tedious and boring and old-fashioned northern comedy of the worst kind. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound, two lanes are closed after an accident with a lorry and a car involved between High Wycombe at Junction 4 and Stoke and Church at Junction 5. Only lane 1 is open past the scene of there, so it's very slow back to Junction 4. And if you're going southbound past the scene of the accident, you're likely to find delays as well as people slow to have a look. The M1 northbound, as traffic leaves London this morning up toward Hertfordshire, one lane still closed following an accident. Recovery work continues just before Junction 4 at Edgware. Southbound, there are delays after an earlier accident. Four vehicles were involved in this one between Redbourne and Hemel Hempstead. The accident's gone, but the congestion is still there back as far as Luton at Junction 10. Some people avoiding the M1, heading for the A5 instead, so you'll find delays from Dunstable through past Mark Yates and down toward the M1 at Redbourne. The High Street in Westerning. Now, we had a call earlier this morning from Anne about this. Police have just had confirmation
station. It is still partly blocked because of an overturned car at Flittick Road on the roundabout. It's a vehicle that overturned on the mini roundabout and now we hear another car involved in the collision is facing the wrong way and it will be affecting traffic between Flittick and Westerning. The A1M southbound still looking busy past Stevenage, also slow down to the M25 and then on the M25 stop-start traffic through the roadworks section and as you continue around Kings Langley to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 8.16. It's uh, Tuesday, the 8th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase, but the police seldom take them seriously. Banks have begun to give details of the mortgages they'll offer under the government's expanded Help to Buy initiative, which is designed to help people who can only afford small deposits to buy a home. In sport, Gus Poyet has been confirmed as Sunderland's new head coach, having agreed a two-year contract at the Stadium of Light. The weather in beds, hearts and bucks mainly dry with increasing cloud, but still becoming warm again with a maximum temperature of 20 degrees. And coming up, we'll be talking about how poor children who are behind in reading, writing and arithmetic at the age of seven are less likely to get on in life. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tonight, two of our local teams meet in the Johnson's Paint Trophy. Stevenage versus MK Dons. Dons. Sends Day the wrong way, and that is game over now as far as Stevenage is concerned, I'm sure. MK Dons four, Stevenage one. Plus, there's also Wickham's tie at home to Bristol City. Back in towards the box, Anthony Stewart said, wins ahead, a great goal! Wickham lead 2-0. And Luton's league match away to Aldershot. That is a fantastic goal, and Mark Cullen's done it again! All three games live in Three Counties Sport. Tonight from 7, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Do you know anything about sport, Ollie? Absolutely uh, nothing. I'm saying this gentleman's name's Gus Poyet, Gus Poyet. I'm literally the worst, but you could pick a random oh, person man. on the street in any country and they'd know more about sport than me. OK, I'm going to stick with Poyet. I'm happy with that. You happy? With, are you happy with I'm that? I'm happy with that. It, pa- it passes the Ollie Man test, that's good. I'm trying to get people to sell Downton Abbey to me this morning. Oh, it's brilliant. Is it? I love Downton. So you, you stri- are you being serious? I'm being deadly serious. Because you strike me as an intelligent, well-rounded young person who's yeah, kind of... I am. Like, Don't watch sport. No, uh, like, but you watch, I, I can't stand sport. But you watch Downton. What is it about it that's so good? Uh, I, I, it's partly just the escapism on a Sunday night. It yep. is, is the classic tea towel, picture postcard England thing. Yep. It's partly that. It's also just got some great one-liners. And, and, and who knew that if you're going to deliver a quip, do it through the mouth of Maggie Smith. But <laughs> as it turns out, she's the funniest woman on television. Maybe I need to... I mean, uh, should, I watch, should I be watching this? Am I missing out on it? No, you shouldn't. You should start from series one, episode oh, one. nuts. Because you'll know after about two hours of it whether it's your thing or not. And to two? be honest, they've never bettered the first series. Two hours? Yeah. That's a lot of time to give. Well, not when everything's at a very stately pace and there's lots of pretty buildings and and, oh. and, and dogs and frogs. <laughs> pretty buildings, dogs and frogs, you say? Yeah. Mm, I could be in. And now, Ollie, you're sitting in for Jonathan Bernersmith. I am, having a whale of a time. Was, was it, did you enjoy it yesterday? It was really fun, thank you, yes. Lots of, lots of people to talk to. Yes, felt and, very and welcome. Some of them are quite weird. I wouldn't comment. No, you can't, but, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dis- you, you can't, but we'll discuss it off air. But some of them are bonkers. Lots of them are very nice, though. But there are some... I... I 
I, I just feel like I'm not in a position of maturity <laughs> on the station, Ian, for, to be in a position where I'm slacking off the corners. No, you're right. What yeah. have you got on the show today? Well, we get, well, you should have guessed from the fact that I'm wearing PVC trousers and stilettos yep. this morning uh, that we are, in fact, talking about whether sexy music videos, and I'm doing in-air inverted commas there, listeners, but you can't see them, whether sexy music videos set a bad example for young people. Uh, pop star Annie Lennox has described some modern pop videos as pornographic. She's oh. been telling the BBC they should now be rated like films. So 15... 18, or in some cases actually X-rated, unsuitable, Wowzers. even for adults on the internet. The Eurythmic singer's comments were inspired by a recent performance by former child star Miley Cyrus, who has been seen simulating sex acts on stage with a giant foam hand. It's not just music videos that are getting more and more graphic, of course. It's hard to watch X Factor or Britain's Got Talent without seeing young women flaunting their bodies. So I'm asking, are we too uptight about the sexually charged performances we see on our screens, or are they causing real harm uh, so whatever your experience maybe you've got young kids at home as well and you're worried about exposing this sort of thing whatever your view maybe you think we're just prudish pick up the phone let me know do sexy music video set a bad example for young people going to be discussing that from nine you can call 08459 455 555 text 81333 email jvs show at bbc.co.uk or tweet me at ollie man do you twerk I twerked my way down the stairs into the studio yeah, this morning. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how you got the gig. It's a <laughs> the, boss, the boss likes a good twerk. Yeah, so I've heard. And it's great exercise as well. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 555 is the phone number. And uh, I, I caught a bit of Ollie yesterday. It's a cracking listen. Uh, he, does a, he does a good job, so phone him up and uh, be as nice to him as you can, please. Now, if you want to give us a call, uh, you can do. We're talking uh, about uh, poor children this morning by the... Uh, oh, no, hang on, we're going to uh, help to buy. Where are we going? I'm on the wrong thing. Look at this. I'm all over the shop there. I've got, I'm all a fluster, what with Ollie being in. All a little bit of a fluster. 08459 455 555. Now, from this week, aspiring home buyers will be able to start applying for the second phase of the government's help to buy scheme. Uh, and if they're buying in Buckinghamshire, they might just need it. The county has seen the highest rise in prices in the last year 9.7%. The Right to Buy initiative will offer state-backed mortgages to UK borrowers with deposits as low as 5% for properties worth up to £600,000. Well, Treasury Minister Danny Alexander says it's an exciting day. If you go down to branches of some of those banks today, you'll be able to go and have, perhaps for the first time, a conversation about a mortgage that you might be able to afford. And that will mean that you can start the process of buying a house, something an awful lot of people on low and middle incomes who don't have wealthy parents to rely on to pay for their deposit would love to be able to do but have been excluded from for quite a few years. Well, Danny Alexander is very excited. Jonathan Davis is an economist and wealth manager from Hertfordshire. He joins me on the line now. Are you excited, Jonathan? <laughs> um, I'm depressed more than excited, oh. I guess. Why? Um, yeah, because what this does is it sucks even more people or suckers into taking out vast debt um, to, quote, buy, unquote, um, an asset which has been in a bubble for years, and um, once that bubble bursts, which inevitably it will do, because all bubbles burst, they will be left with vast debts, and you know what? Because the economy will go down the pan, they might not even have an income. 
it does seem odd that it, to, to help people buy. So how this works? In the, 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 they can get ninety five percent mortgages. Is that right? Yeah. So as so long as you have a, a, a decent income just now and a five percent uh, deposit on the price of the property that you want to buy, then yes, you, you can. There, there's basically no reason why it, you shouldn't be able to get a ninety five percent mortgage. To me. It doesn't sound very safe. You're right. People are losing. Who knows what's going to happen this afternoon? I might get the phone call saying, yep, yeah, listen, don't come in tomorrow. Everybody, people are losing their jobs. And a 95% mortgage is massive, isn't it? Well, it is. And, of course, it was high loan-to-value mortgages that got us into the problems of our economy in the first place. And obviously, if there's a lot of debt in society, then at some point that piper has to be paid. So, you know, the assumptions in all these schemes is that house prices will never fall. And the one thing I think your listeners who are interested in this scheme need to bear in mind is that interest and mortgage rates are probably the lowest today that they're ever going to be. They're the lowest in 300 years. Thus, were our interest rates going to be in a few years' time, Mm. in 10 years' time, I suggest they're going to be a great deal higher than they are right now. The government is really keen to push this. They brought stage two of this forward by a few months. Why are they so keen to do it? Do Do they not see the potential problems? Hmm, they, they don't care about the potential problems. Um, all politicians, on the left, in the middle or the right, all they care about is elections. And there is no doubt, um, just like Gordon Brown uh, uh, and Ed Balls did a few years ago, uh, supporting uh, the housing market and house prices, the current coalition government doing the exact same thing. Why? Because rising house prices is a vote winner for incumbent politicians and falling house prices is a vote loser. And you know what? There's a major European election next year. And then, of course, the general election is the year after. Can't they just build some more houses? Would that not help the situation for first-time buyers? I'm not convinced that it would. Um, I know that that is the standard argument put out by all and sundry, including, if I may say, the media. That's the answer. Well, you know what? We had a lot of house house uh, building, I beg your pardon, uh, uh, before, and it didn't stop house price crashes. Um, No, Um, the answer uh, is something which we almost never hear of um, in the media, and certainly not by politicians, is that we should take away interest rate setting from the uh, academic ivory tower merchants in the Bank of England, and we should let the market set interest rates. Interest rates would be higher than they are today. That would bring down house prices. That's the way to help young folk, not to increase house prices. Jonathan, final uh, question. It's been revealed this week that rents in Buckinghamshire are among the highest in the country, increased by 9% in the last year. What does that mean for the housing economy as a whole? 
doesn't mean anything for the housing economy whole. Buckinghamshire, that's where all the millionaires and billionaires live. So, of course, um, rents are going to be high um, in Buckinghamshire. But, you know, in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, um, as more uh, related to the real economy, uh, to real people's lives, um, rents have not been rising much, if at all, in the last few years. In fact, um, as a wealth manager, we have a client. I mean, this may not be representative for the country as a whole, but it is a fact that we have a client who um, uh, is renting a particularly nice house in Hertfordshire at £2,100 a month. I know that sounds a lot of money, but it's a million-pound house. And secondly, five years ago, it was 3000 a month. Mm. So, you know, um, whatever happens in Buckinghamshire is not the real world. It's like Kensington and Chelsea. Jonathan, thank you very much for your time this morning. Jonathan Davies, uh, economist, wealth manager from Hertfordshire. Well, if you live in Buckinghamshire, maybe you've got something to say about that. Buckinghamshire is not like the real world. There are some pretty nice places in Bucks, aren't there? What do you think? 08459 555555. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Coming up before nine o'clock, we will get Mr. Lover Lover, Justin Dealey, uh, to tell us again about his first ever kiss. I know. No, listen, calm down, calm down. I know there are several uh, women in their late 60s getting very excited at the prospect of hearing that uh, information being passed to them. It it will happen before nine, I promise. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And it still delays on the M40 northbound. Two lanes closed off, an accident with a lorry and a car involved between High Wycombe and Stoke and Church junctions 4 and 5. Also very busy past there on the London-bound side. Northbound on the M1, this is for traffic leaving London coming into Hertfordshire. Recovery work continues after an accident just before Edgware at junction 4, the A41. It's very slow back into London there. Coming southbound toward London, you've got delays as well. There was an accident earlier, Redbourne to Hemel Hempstead. The accident long gone, the delays still very much present back to Luton at junction 10. People People have been using the A5 as a way of avoiding that, but the A5 is very congested as a result. Slow through Dunstable and Markgate down toward the M1 to rejoin at Junction 9. High Street in Westerning, the A5120 partly blocked. This is an overturned car and an accident. There was a collision round there as well on the roundabout at the Flittick Road. It's causing some delays through the area. The A1M looking busy from Hitchin through to Stevenage and from Wellham Green down to the M25. And you've got slow traffic on the M25 anti-clockwise, firstly through the roadworks, then from Kings Langley round to the M25. 40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Scott has tweeted me in reference to Downton Abbey. Things set ages ago are rubbish unless they're about Jack the Ripper. That's a fact. I kind of agree with him. I do kind of agree. This is supposed to be the news going into you, Catherine, but it's the wrong its the wrong bit of music. I'll do it anyway. Work with it, yeah? It's 8.30, I'm Catherine Boyle. Here are your headlines. Taxi drivers in Luton say attacks by members of the public are on the increase, but the police seldom take them seriously. The cost to rent a home in Buckinghamshire has risen by almost 10% in the past year, the highest increase for any county. And banks have begun to give details of mortgages they'll offer under the government's expanded Help to Buy scheme, which is designed to help people who can only afford small deposits to buy a home. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Ashley Cole will miss England's World Cup qualifier against Montenegro on Friday because of a rib injury. He'll continue to receive treatment at Chelsea, so could possibly return for the match against Poland next Tuesday. Gus Poyet has been confirmed as the new Sunderland manager, replacing Paolo Di Canio, who was sacked a fortnight ago. Poyet. Here's Ian Dennis with more. It is Poyet. Gus Poyet has made no secret of his desire to manage in the Premier League and was desperate for this opportunity at the Stadium of Light. Sunderland are desperate after five successive league defeats and Poyet will hope over the next eight months to retain their top-flight status. Poyet was the preferred choice of director of football, Roberto De Fanti, but ultimately it's owner Ellis Short who decides, and he's aware of the importance of this appointment. The pressure on Poyet is to get results, but also on Short, because it's his judgment that will determine the club's future. There's a local derby in the Johnson's Paint Trophy tonight. Stevenage will host Milton Keynes Dons and the borough boss Graham Wesley says it's a chance for them to end a losing streak. We need to end the, the run that we're on, um, stop the rot and get ourselves back on the right foot. Um, I'm sure the lads' determination um, will grow. I'm sure that uh, you know their appetite and, and belief in themselves and in what we're doing um, will never diminish. Luton Town boss John Still may rest Alex Lawless for tonight's conference match at Aldershot. The midfielder's recently returned from injury and Still isn't sure he can play two games in three days. I am slightly aware, you know, like we played Alex Saturday and we weren't 100% about playing Alex uh, because it's important he plays fit, you know. Two games in a couple of days might be more than we want to do with him so we, we might look at something there. And that's your latest news in sport. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Poyet. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, we'll hear Justin Dealey's uh, exclusive uh, story about when he uh, um, had his first kiss. I nearly said something completely different and possibly a little bit vulgar as well, so I'm glad I managed to stop myself just in time. Now, by the age of seven, the life opportunities for children from poorer backgrounds have already been determined. That's according to a new report by the charity Save the Children. It says that poor children who are behind in reading, writing and arithmetic at the age of seven are less likely to get on in life. The report, called Too Young to Fail, states being behind their peers at such a young age could prejudice a child's future earnings, health and in economic terms cost the uh, country billions in lost revenue. Well, Anne Waterman is from Watford-based Action for Children, joins me now. Morning, Anne. Good morning. Do you agree with this, that, that, that what you achieve at uh, seven sets you up for life? Um, yes, we very much at Action for Children welcome this report. Um, in fact, we feel that kind of it actually um, how, how you are before seven is probably quite significant as well. However, we very much welcome what, um, say, the Children Report says, that we do need to intervene and support children um, with extra support. Whose fault is it? Um, Well, that's difficult to say whose fault it is. I mean, we've had historically um, inequalities for many, many years, and this report backs up um, previous reports that suggest that your life chances are affected actually as soon as you're born by um, just by the nature of of where you're born and, and your family circumstances. So um, at Action for Children, we do run quite a lot of different types of services that would support what we would see as a really key mechanism for early help and support, um, especially through our children's centres, many of which we have got in in um, in the area. I'm confused as to how being poor uh, could stop you from being able to read and write and do maths by the age of seven. 
Um, well, I can understand your confusion, but if you think about um, all of the different distractions that may happen to a family, and, and poverty is certainly one of them that, that, that can um, impact upon that. So, for example, what things that we would do to turn that around, I mean, children's centres are actually um, universal services. They're not necessarily for anybody with any particular um, issue. However, we can target support to the most vulnerable through them. So they're a really great platform for that. So we work with um, under five. So, for example, with children, we would be put on putting on um, groups that like rhyme time, stay in place, story times, all of which promote learning and are linked to the early years foundation stage. So we have trained trained um, um, workers who provide those. So it's encouraging at a very early age something that's a universal provision that any parent can access. It doesn't matter whether they can go and pay and go off and have these courses they don't have to pay but you could and, and listen these courses sound fantastic and absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. but uh, but th- but th- these things could also be done at home by parents who have the inclination you need you know you, you sing a few songs you can you teach your children how to read at home i don't i'm, I'm still not sure how poverty would would stop you from doing that as a you parent can, you can do that at home of course you can do that at home but obviously children do learn in social groups yep. and so do parents so it's supporting parents to support children. And again, I would say it's not only income that affects this, but it mm. certainly is a, it is a factor. Plus the fact, of course, um, sometimes, as we know, and we're hearing on the news all the time, it's very, it's, um, it's very stretching for parents at the moment. So we, another thing we will do is we will um, signpost to nursery provision, to childcare provision. We provide support for childminders. Um, and we get the most vulnerable access to um, the two-year-old funding, which is a government initiative for um, particular um, income groups. So, again, it's trying to promote learning at that very early stage mm. of a child's life. Also, some parents who haven't experienced necessarily a good um, education themselves, you know, we, we have to kind of come at it from that angle as yeah. well. So we provide support for parents with their learning, which may be specific and targeted. So, for example, we would run money skills courses cooking on a budget for those that might need enhanced support with with that angle in terms of financial difficulties but we also do parenting courses first aid courses which are about supporting parents to improve their parenting but they're also providing a learning environment and it's it's that learning environment that promotes learning with their children as well so it's an all-round thing and i would stress it isn't only about parents who who, who necessarily experience financial hardship at children's centers but we can put, certainly then provide some more targeted and support if we know that extra help is needed and thank you very much indeed Anne waterman from uh, watford based action for children telling us uh, what they do there I, I, I do struggle to understand how being poor stops up to the age of seven i can see how it might affect them later on when in, in terms of universities and things like that but how it stops a child learning to read and write because that doesn't cost anything does it you do that at home with your kids you read to them you sit down with letters and pens and papers and you do things anyway oh eight four five nine four double five five double five on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about taxi drivers this morning. Luton taxi drivers and others around the Three Counties are feeling more vulnerable to attack. 
Dennis in Dunstable, you you used to be a taxi driver. I did was, about twenty three years. Ago. Was that was that in the days when you had to have a man with a red flag walking no, in front no, of you? I, I I had a couple of horses fastened at the. There we go. You see. So so to, where were you where were you applying your trade in Dunstable? Okay. And did what was it like twenty three years ago? Was, was there any threats very, of violence? Very very quiet. Yeah. Very quiet. And don't forget, at that stage, it was threepence a mile. That meant you could get Heathrow for fifteen quid. But that was when fifteen quid would buy you a house. I know, yes, yes. When I bought this house, it was like that. But what, what do you think about taxi drivers now? But they're having knives and guns pulled on them, Dennis. It's, I th- I'm sorry to say, I think this is a bit of a racial thing. I think that people are setting about these people because some of them can't speak English properly and they're liable for abuse anyway. Yes. I think, I'm sorry to say that's it, but most of the taxis I use these days are driven by Asians, very mm. nice people, don't get me wrong. Unfortunately, some of them don't know where they're going. I, but I, that's no... Re- listen, I, I've had Asian taxi drivers and I've had English taxi drivers, white English taxi drivers, who don't know where they're going. I think that's, that's across right. the board. But but that's not a reason to, to, to pull a knife on someone, is no, it? No, it isn't. As I say, I think it's a case of, oh, well, they're here, we'll, we'll have a go at them. I'm sorry. It did happen in my day as well, but they didn't pull a knife. They tried to run, but I caught them. They tried to run? Yes, because um, I took two two different people where I'd been warned that there was a fellow getting in taxis in Dunstable to go out towards Marquette. Yes. And uh, he was a bit funny. Oh, so yeah. This chap got in, quite nicely dressed, and said, Marquette. I said, hey, uh, do you know... That, uh, no, no, he said, I'm, first time I've been there, I'm going to my sister's. Oh, all right. And I took him into Marquette, and uh, I said, where is it? He said, I'm not sure. So I stopped at a pub and asked, and they, said, they pointed him out, pointed the house out. And uh, he said, well, my sister will pay you. Oh, yeah, so no. I went to the door, and the girl came out, and then she just said, come in, John, like that. And he slunk like a little boy. He suddenly came down from a man yeah. down to a little lad slunk in. She said, he's doing this all the time. I said, well, I'm very sorry, but I've just spent money coming out. Yes. I want the money. She wouldn't pay it. So I said, okay, fair enough. I shall report the matter to the police because this is theft. Right, I've worked for you. You're not paying me. So I, I went to the cop. They didn't do anything about it. No. And then I had another chap uh, between... Gosh, I feel like I'm living these stories in real time. Yes, carry on. I, I, um, yeah. I took a pick, pick somebody up on the way to Biggles Way. Now, I oh. didn't like picking people up like that. No. Ring up and pick Ring up and pick up. Yeah, so I've got no address to go back no. to anyway. exactly. I, I didn't bother me. I yeah, you did it. You're a crazy kind of guy. That's right. Yeah. And we got to the house where he'd been telling me tales about his father owned racehorses. He was telling me all oh. sorts of things oh, about yeah. his dad. And so we got to this place. He said, right, I'll go and get some money. So I went with him. I wasn't that deaf. No. But he slammed the gate behind him and hit me, you know, so I, I was held up. By the time I got round yes. the back of the house, everything was dark. Yes. So oh. I thought, right, because this was something like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I thought, right. So I came back the following morning, went to the house, and the chap says, yes, I was talking. He said, yes, I do have a racehorse and all sorts of things. He said, but I'll tell you that. He said, he lives in that house across the field. Oh. So I went around there, knocked on the door. This lady came, I'll say lady. She gave me a mouthful to start with. when I <laughs> Lucky you. Oh, yes. And I said, right, fair enough. I know that it was your husband I picked up. And if he's not back to our office with the money, then I'm afraid I shall have to report him to the police. Yes. And what, Dennis, what happened? Because this show finishes at nine o'clock this right, morning. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hand over I to Ollie Mann and you're still telling your story. No, no, I got them. No, you normally cut me off anyway, but however, I, uh, I got the money and so I was quite satisfied. Good for you. Well done. There we go. Still, it still happened in those days. Now, listen, listen. Did you, the, the thing about taxi drivers I've heard, right, 
Yes. Is that quite often you'll get a, a lady passenger yes. who, when you get to your destination, says, Oh, I'm really sorry. I'll offer it to you. Yeah, I'll offer. I haven't got any money on me, but. No, I know. D- but I can give you, uh, I can give you something else. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know, yes. Did yes. that happen to you? Yes. Really? Really? Yes, yes going into Leighton Buzzard. <laughs> is that a euphemism? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I've oh. had, had people be sick in the back of the Well, no, no, no. I'm not interested in people being sick. No, I'm, I'm interested saying I'm interested in you thought. going into Leighton Buzzard. Yes, yes. So, uh, w- 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 and what did she offer you? Um, well, shall we say it was a laying down job. Okay. And I wasn't tired. Uh, so, did you accept or no? No, I'm um, no, not, not like my wife had to kill me. That's, they've been told. That's about. that's the official line. Okay, so the official yes. line is Dennis uh, did not take a laying down job. No, no, no I wouldn't even a standing up job. No, okay, thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You do hear these stories all the time. Not all the time. You occasionally, sometimes, once in a while, every now and then, you hear these stories about t- taxi drivers saying, "Well." You know, I had these, this woman in the other day, and she didn't have any money, but... And I, I do wonder, are these urban myths, or do these actually happen? We, we can't delve into it too much. We'll, we'll call it uh, going, going to Leighton Buzzard. We're going to have young ears listening, so I don't want to get too uh, below the waist at a quarter to nine in the morning. But it, it, does it actually happen? I think it might. You've got 15 minutes if you want to give us uh, a call about those stories. 08459 555555. Quickly flag up as well. You can always send me emails, either during the show uh, or after the show. Ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. And it can be about anything. It can be uh, a, a comment about what's happened in the show, something you've disagreed with, something you, you, you agree with. Or also, we do get quite a few stories from you, the listener. So if there's something you think we should be reporting on uh, on BBC Three Counties Radio, send me an email and we'll have a look at it. And it can be a huge thing, I always say this, but it can be a huge thing that affects your county or it can be a tiny thing that affects just you or anything in between. Send me an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and we, we may send Justin Dealey to stand outside your house at half past six in the morning. What more could you want? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound still queuing after the accident earlier with a lorry and a car involved between High Wycombe at Junction 4 and Stokenchurch at Junction 5. That's slow back to Loudwater at Junction 3. The good news, though, is that all lanes have now reopened on that northbound side, so traffic should hopefully start to ease a little. The southbound side, the London-bound side, past where the accident was, is still looking quite slow as well. It's Junction 5 to 4 and delays through Marlow on the A404 up toward the M40 because of that accident earlier. The M1 northbound starting to ease as traffic leaves London and goes up toward Hertfordshire. We did have the accident near Edgware. That has gone. Southbound still very slow from the A505 at Junction 11 all the way to Hamill Hempstead Junction 8. It is patchy traffic through there. Of course, we did have the collision near Junction 9 earlier. A5 is very busy southbound. Lots of people had been avoiding the M1 problem, so it's still slow from Dunstable to Redbourne. The High Street in Westerning, partially blocked. This is the A5120. An accident, an overturned car. It's at the roundabout with the Flittick Road. The A1M southbound, busy past Hitchin and Stevenage. And we've got problems further southbound with one lane closed. An accident, a motorcycle and a car involved. This is between Hartford at Junction 4 and Hatfield at Junction 3. M25 anti-clockwise delays through the roadworks and it's busy from Kings Langley round to the M40. Dot data's 08459 555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
jingles are all over the place, but I don't, I don't mind having the official news jingle. It makes me feel a bit more important than I actually am. It's 8.46. It's Tuesday, the 8th of October. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton taxi drivers say they are resigned to being subjected to an increase in violence in the course of their work. Banks have begun to give details of the mortgages they'll offer under the government's expanded Help to Buy initiative. And in sport, Gus Poyet mm, has been confirmed as Sunderland's new head coach, having agreed a two-year contract at the Stadium of Light. Coming up, first kiss, what was yours like? We'll get that and more after the latest weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We've got some sunny spells out there this morning. A bit of cloud around. That's really how it's going to continue through the day. It's the, perhaps the last of the warmer days. A maximum temperature of 19 Celsius. Overnight tonight, some cloud around. Also some light rain likely to move through from time to time. But this is going to keep things relatively marvellous for staying in double figures. Tomorrow we'll start to notice the change. There's a bit more cloud around. Some showers, scattered showers. Maybe some sunshine in the morning, but it will become cloudier tomorrow afternoon. And it's going to become breezy as well. We're going really start to notice the temperature drop the maximum tomorrow of 16 celsius overnight wednesday into thursday the northerly flow really starts to take hold the wind picks up from a northeast northwesterly um, uh, direction and it's going to feel really rather raw as we head through thursday and that's your forecast Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. <laughs> You're going to start that trek. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number on the subject of poor kids. Um, David has just emailed in. Uh, it's those lazy had kids for the benefits lot that do not give us stuff about their kids' education, not the poor. I come from a very poor family, and our parents were always telling us that education was the key to success. All over the world, the majority of parents want a better life for their children than they have. What well, do, 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 do those had kids for the benefits lot actually exist? I've never met any. I, mean, I don't particularly mix in, in the circles that would kind of introduce me to those people. I've never spoken to them. I wonder if they're a myth. Do people really have kids to get benefits? I, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I suspect that's one of those myths that the Express or the Mail might uh, be saying to, to, to get you to hate people. I can't think of anyone who would think, yeah, let's have a baby. Maybe there's, maybe there's a few, you know, half a dozen, a dozen. Say there's a dozen who do that. But, but, but people know babies are well expensive, aren't they? In terms of finance, in terms of time, to, to get the few quid a week you're going to get from the, the social to pay for a baby is crazy, isn't it? Or is that just me being naive? See Tamara Beckwith uh, pregnant with the baby. She's 29. She won't, she won't be claiming benefits. But yet her children might still be thick. You just don't know. Anyway, uh, page uh, 11 of the Daily Mail. My first kiss, it was revolting, says Pamez. Uh, like many young girls, she dreamed of a magical first kiss, but Pamez found the reality very different and even frightening. It then goes on to describe... Well, I would say that it, it's a sexual abuse story that she's, she's telling there, about being 14, carrying an ironing board, and being picked up by an older man in a car. So it's, it's an odd story, 
to kind of, you know, say, well, first kiss. But we are talking about first kisses. Mine was uh, with Kerry outside the Slough bus station at the age of 15. It was pretty darn good. JD, some people may not have heard your story earlier on in the show. Let's, let's yeah. hear your first kiss story for all those um, hot 67-year-olds listening who've got the, a little crush on you, Justin. Yeah, baby. Uh, my first kiss was when I was about, what, I think nine or ten years old. It was at primary school. It was down the field. It was behind the <laughs> it tree. Was, it was where, sorry? It was down the field at school. Again, is that another euphemism yeah. on a par with uh, going to <laughs> let him buzzard? Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, oh, Ian, it was magical. It was absolutely magical. It just felt right. I thought, you know what? This day I won't forget. One slight problem, uh, that lady is now a lesbian. So um, I think I turned her. How do you know, I'm sure it's not the last time, how do you know that she's she's uh, b- become a lesbian? Well, I was having a conversation with somebody about, uh, what, seven or eight years ago. I was saying, oh, my first kiss at South Hill School. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. I mentioned the person's name. and They said, Justin, can I just stop you there for a second? Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, well, what's the problem? She's now a lesbian. Oh, I don't know what you did, but she's now a lesbian. There you go. You see, that's no, no. Listen, that's no bad thing. You've, you've possibly helped her on her journey of yeah. self-discovery, <laughs> which is wonderful. If only yeah. we could all be so lucky yeah. to make that journey. You've been uh, talking to people about first kisses this morning. We give you all the good jobs. What, yeah. what have they been been saying? Everyone's got a story here. Yeah, I've been um, out and about early this morning, asking people about their memories and their stories of their first kiss. And uh, here's what people have had to say. Um, it was at a school disco. It wasn't oh, yeah. attractive. <laughs> Okay, so, so who was he? Um, I don't actually remember his name. I remember primary school disco, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was <laughs> last dance of the night. A boy grabbed a girl, and that was it, really. So how old were you? About ten, I think. Oh, and this is my key question. My key question: <laughs> What was the song in the background? Oh my god, it was something like TLC Waterfalls or something like that. Oh, that something is shocking. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah very. So a shocking kiss, a shocking song, a shocking night. Very much so. <laughs> Uh, have things improved since those days? Well, I'm married now, so hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is he a good kisser? He is, yes. Thank God for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, youth club age 12. Jane, what's your memories of your first ever kiss? Was it a good one? No. It was just rubbish. I was only about eight. OK, what was his name? I can't remember. John, I think. John? Yeah. John boy. I've got to go to school. I've got to go work. Are you going to be kissing at work today? No one. Rakish, what's your memories of your first kiss? Oh, awesome. I uh, just can't forget it. Uh, just comes back and forth when I'm a little sad. Uh, what getting deep here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because so it's quite romantic. She? She's my love. I'm getting married this December. So you're still with her now? Yeah. So how old were you when you first kissed her? Um, wasn't, I mean, uh, like that small kisses I've had, but this was a big one that I can remember. Okay, so how old were you? About 21. Some holiday with my family. Uh, I was quite late, I think I was like 12. Uh, it was, I can't even, her name was Claire, she spoke really weirdly. It's my first kiss on holiday. I remember crying my eyes out when it was the end of the holiday. Cause, really? Yeah, because it was like <laughs> first love, sort of puppy love sort of thing, first kiss. So that was when you were 12. Have you spoken to her since? Uh, we were like pen pals for like a year, believe it or not, and then uh, and then it just faded out. It always does. Right to her again today, and now she's fresh <laughs> in your mind. You can do this. Come on. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't even know her address. It's long gone. Hello, how can I help? Hello there. We're after your memories of your first kiss. What? Sorry. We're after your memories of your first kiss. Are you okay? Well, I can't give you that information out over the intercom. Why? Just because I can't. Hello? Hello? Disappointing. 
Mm. Well, why couldn't they give it? A, how could that woman, know. by the way, mm. she remembers "Don't Go Chasing Waterfall," <laughs> which is a cracking song. But Your version's better, by the way. Thank you. But she doesn't remember the name of the blue. Oh, this is ridiculous. You know, I think everybody listening should should know the name of their first kiss because you know the, the, there's certain things in life that that, that put you on that path. Yeah. And having your first kiss, I would say, is one of those unique moments in your life that you shouldn't forget. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember mine well, and it's a, a memory I treasure dearly. Listen, very quickly, just going off on a slight tangent, uh, yeah. uh, Justin, just because I've got to fill for the next four minutes. Right. Uh, Downton Abbey. Yeah, rubbish. Well, well, now, is it? Have you yeah, seen of it? it is. That awful. Well, I, I've ne- have you ever actually sat down and watched yes, it? Yes, yes. My mum said to me, "Sit down and watch this program. You'll <laughs> love it." I walked out after fifteen minutes. It was dreadful. Why is it so dreadful? Oh, come on! It's just, it's just so far away from from real life. You know. Oh, I, Justin, I'll stop you there. We've got a guest. Okay. Uh, we do have a guest. It's TV critic Toby L. Morning, Toby. Morning there, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. Good, Downton good. Abbey, I've never seen it, but, and we'll okay. get on to the Ferrari in a second. But why is it so popular? Um, because it's warm, it's cosy, it's a it's a hot muffin with butter on a Sunday night on television. It's it's just very positive and uplifting oh, and, no. and not too challenging. It's not too challenging. It's a big, glossy, soapy melodrama. That's what it is. And, it's a it, glossy, it, soapy melodrama. And it is, it is quite soapy, is it? In its, oh, in gosh, its, yeah. Right, okay. Gosh, yeah. I mean, it, it, might, it, might be wearing, it might be wearing a white tie for dinner, but it's as soapy as, uh, as Corrie. I mean, the, the, there's no way around it. But if it's so glossy and so uplifting, why they've done this story where someone gets raped on it. It has created, <sighs> uh, 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 you know, Ferrari in all the papers. Mm. Have, have yeah. they crossed a line here with it? Well, I think I think the problem the problem from my perspective is that it just felt very tacked on. It just felt as if it was being it's used as a, as a plot construct as opposed to necessarily something that had been kind of on the horizon. Maybe there'd been a kind of an air around it. It just suddenly bang done, mm. you know, and and it had been thrown in it, particularly because it happens right at the end of the episode, which feels cheap. I mean, it, it, it's a cheap it's, cliffhanger. It's a cheap cliff, exactly. And it feels like an easy buy-in for the next episode as to what's going to happen. The, the, the problem is, of course, I've got this sneaking suspicion. This is exactly the kind of storyline they're going to resolve at Christmas. Oh. Hey, tuck into your mulled wine, eh? Like half past it, ten on a Christmas night, watching that. It's the EastEnders thing, isn't it? If you want a miserable two hours on East uh, on Christmas Day, watch the EastEnders Christmas well, special. Uh, absolutely, of course. Um, but as, as the, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like it sits particularly well within the show itself the framework and the thing is they've had loads of deaths but somehow that seems kind of okay Mm. um but they've had they've had some very silly plot lines before and when you have something that's slightly faintly ridiculous Mm. and also is a melodrama to suddenly have this very raw Mm. and and, and graphic you know uh storyline just it just doesn't quite sit to use a tv term that i'm sure you're familiar with has downton jumped the shark <laughs> I think I think Downton has jumped the shark three or four times, right. particularly when cousin Matthew was apparently paralysed from the waist down in a wheelchair, and then all of a sudden his fiance drops the tray and he gets up to go and help her pick oh. it up. I mean that was that was somewhere out of nowhere. Also, Lady Mary, she seems to kill off every single bloke she's ever with. Her fiance died on the Titanic. She was in bed with that young Turkish chap who died in bed, and then of course cousin Matthew ends up having a car crash. Despite you know he he, he swerves to avoid a car. And there are only four cars in Britain at the time. <laughs> and he manages to find one of them to, 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 to have to, to avoid. So she's she's a curse. They're, they're, they've got silly storylines. I mean, the Earl of Grantham, whatever he says, do the opposite. Do the Every opposite. week he says, do this, don't do that, do the opposite. He is no good. He has no wisdom whatsoever. Toby, we, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Toby Earl, TV critic, telling me why I should be watching Downton. 
Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Congestion remains on the M40. Northbound is queuing after the accident earlier between High Wycombe and Stoke and Church. It's slow back to Loudwater on that northbound side. Busy London bound as well past what was the scene of the accident. And delays through Marlow on the A404 heading up to the M40. The M1 southbound very slow. Patchy traffic from the A505 to Hemel Hempstead. And the A5 very busy from Dunstable to Redbourne through Markyate. Westerning and the High Street, the A5120 still part blocked. This is an overturned car, an accident at Flittick Road on the roundabout. The A1M south Southbound busy past Stevenage. Also problems southbound with a lane closed. An accident, a motorcycle and a car involved. This is from Hartford to Hatfield. M25 delays, usual, through the roadworks as you go past Potter's Bar, but also queuing further round from Kings Langley to the M40. Of course, if you can update us on these or anything else, 08459 455555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you to everyone who uh, called in and took part in the show today. Cracking show. Don't forget you can go and download the podcast. If you uh, type in Ian Lee into iTunes, it pops up. Ollie Man is up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, good morning, it's the JVS Show. I'm Ollie Mann, standing in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith all this week. Coming up later, I'll ask if the 